kept you waiting, huh? Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is modern escapism. Welcome to the show. My name is Oodles, the most worthy podcaster in the world. Joining me today, a lady that bides her time for no man. It's Candy. Hello. Worth his weight in gold, but at what cost? It's Biggie. Can't afford me. <laughs> and finally, he's waited till last for a funny quip and a witty pun. It's Stig. You didn't get one. <laughs> You didn't get one for me Was it me worth either. the wait? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Gadget won't be joining us this evening because he's booked some holidays in. Because if he doesn't use them, he loses them. And I'm a diligent boss, and I make sure everyone gets their holidays. <laughs> my pay rise? Uh, Talk about that later. You're going to you're gonna have to email me on that one, mate. I'll get back to you. Talk to HR. Yeah, talk to HR. Oh, shit, you are HR. <laughs> he's been approved. <laughs> Oh, collusion, collusion. Right, so before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our sexy and incredibly cool patrons to help us divide and conquer the podcasting world. Details are in our show notes, but mainly check out our website, modernescapism.co.uk, for more exquisite content and links to everything we do. And now it's time for the Nerd News Digest. It's Biggie's Breaking News! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not having a theme tune. (laughs) Yes, uh, Scream 6. So um, Nev Campbell says she is not, or Neve Campbell says she is not returning for Scream 6 because she said, I felt the offer was presented to me did not equate to the value I brought to the franchise. It's been a very (laughs) difficult... A very difficult decision to move on. To all my Scream fans, I love you, but not enough to appear in the movie, eh? <laughs> I, I, to be honest... She just wants more money. I'm on her side. She, She's mm? the star of that, that franchise, and this mm. franchise was built on her. She should have a payday out of it. Like, if it was a man then that was the lead, then yep. there wouldn't have been an issue. Mm. Although yeah. it has kind of moved on a bit from her story, though, hasn't it? It's, it's, it could easily just move on to kind of a younger generation. Oh, I mean, a new generation. What, she, what, has, she done, generation. what has she done since Scream? Well, he was just literally going to say, what else does she Nothing. do, though? Just Scream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think, uh, yeah, just there is there's an argument on both sides, but I just think just pay her, even if you were just going to kill her off. I'd, I'd pay her and kill her off in the first 10 minutes. Apparently, it's moving to New York as well. <laughs> it's going to be in New York. So Would it work? I, I thought, I, I've only seen the first three, I think. Well, one was set in it, Hollywood, it, and that was shit. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? That's the Jane Silent Bob one. Yeah. <laughs> but how many times can like the same killers happen in the same town? And yeah, yeah. Even Nightmare on Elm Street got rid of Elm Street on the third one, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Next. Into the Sandman, in a link to our last podcast, but not <laughs> the uh, Sandman is coming to Netflix on August the fifth. 
as a TV series based on the awesome Neil Gaiman graphic novels. Gaiman. 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 I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I've read these. They're awesome. And again, it's that we have the technology now to kind of deliver those visions. I think going back X amount of years, it probably wouldn't have come off. So I think looking at, yeah, I know you're either fans or not of Fantastic Beasts and Lord of the Rings <clears> and stuff like that. It's like you can now create these worlds. And yeah, I'm really interested. I, I thought the trailer looked really awesome. For people that don't know as well, this is not Sandman from Spider-Man. <laughs> or Metallica. It's, it's a tale of gods and stuff like that. It's, it's really good. Really good. I'm excited for it, and I don't even know anything about it. I just, from the hype of other people of the podcasts I've listened to. He's pretty oh, solid, isn't he, Gaiman? Yeah. There's yeah. not many of his works that aren't great. Like I think the, the only one that I've read that I didn't really like was Anansi Boys, but that's because they're spiders. I really wish that they'd do that, one of the graveyard books. I, I still love liked Anansi Boys, though. Still mm. did. But it wasn't for me. Absolute mm. favourite graveyard book, though. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, next up, we've got What We Do in the Shadows. Um, you'll be pleased to know it's been renewed for a fifth and but... sixth series as well. Excellent. That's it. Finish it there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it needs six to uh, at series. Some point stop, six yeah. series is enough for that show. Like, it's a brilliant show, it. but yeah, just don't drive it into the ground. Six series will be perfect. But I'm happy for that. Through his heart. <laughs> and also, more Madonna, because she seems to pop up all the time. Uh, Julia Garner has been offered the role of Madonna. An up and coming biopic about the pop icon. She's surprised this has taken longer than it has actually mm. to have a biopic of, of Madonna. It's because she's how... still alive. But still, so is Elton John. He did one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I suppose yeah. And El, the, the the Rocket Man one is like a fantasy retelling, wasn't it? It was quite fun. It wasn't that, that realistic. Elton no. John said that with Rocket Man that at the time that that set he was off his tits. High all the time, so we can't remember. So that's why no, but that's why he wanted it the film to be like that, like it was. Yeah, the film was high. He said, and he said, and I was a, an asshole and a bastard. And I did things, and, and that's why in that film it's like kind of warts and all. And he's kind of gone, yeah, that's what I did. Mm. That's how I felt yeah, at the time. Yeah. Whereas obviously with the Queen one, they kind of didn't touch into the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know whether Madonna where she goes with this because she's never really been one for not hiding stuff. Mm. Like she, she, she also has been off her tits stuff. all this time. Yeah, yeah. she's very protective <laughs> of, her, of her image as well, though. I expect yeah. she had a big hand in who actually portrayed her. Oh, she did. She picked it. She, I think she's actually directing this as well. So. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> oh, wow. It's going to be yeah. one of those things where at the beginning, oh, my God, you're born with such natural talent, Madonna. You should be a star. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of interested to that, but it is, I am. I am. I wonder she's whether she's going to be happy to whether she's going to be happy to delve into some of the like shit shows rather than just make it all about oh look how good I am at. I hope they do farming. a full half an hour on when she was dragged off stage by a cape. <laughs> yeah, I was year. about to say that <laughs> in slow motion. That, that's my you know favorite that song that's like goes ever. like. Yeah, it's just like half an hour of that as she's been pulled off the stage in slow mo. It's incredible when you see that. A lot of money for that. I watch. I watch that every week. Just cheers me up. That's a sixty-five-year-old woman falling down the stairs. You're laughing at me. Heartless bastard. I don't care. Something else that cheered me up. Um, E3 is back. Apparently, in 2023, mm. is it? Is it as though? both a digital and physical show. Now, 
Oh, I don't know shit. about you guys, but for <laughs> me, I've just lose track of what shows on when I think it's only thanks to our Discord that we have any bloody idea when they're coming on. But they're just your best these... bet is to just leave YouTube on all day <laughs> and see what happens. I mean, at least at E three, you kind of had all the showcases, but now everybody's doing their own, and then there are other um, developers are doing their own, and, and just. I haven't got the time to sit there. I mean, and watch as all we these speak shows. now, we are missing the PC gaming show. What are we going to do? This is ridiculous. We're not true gamers because we're missing <laughs> the biggest PC gaming. Uh, show. To be fair, sometimes the PC gaming show does announce some pretty good games. For 10 minutes on RTX cards and stuff like that as well. Yeah, there's all that, but. New keyboard! What? <laughs> what? Oh my it goes clickety clack really loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best type. And the ones that light up and dance. I like the thumpy thump Counts. ones, not the clickety clack ones. Yeah. When they introduce a keyboard that sucks my dick, I'm in. <laughs> well, have I got the keyboard for you? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a flesh keyboard. Does that work? No. Okay. E3 ain't coming oh, no. back. I don't think. I'm not trusting. Yeah, yeah we'll E4. have to see. E4. Uh, okay. So again, linking in with our last podcast. Top Gun, but this isn't as positive. So apparently Top Gun Maverick could be back in the danger zone after a California lawsuit has claimed that the sequel breaches copyright back in the of a 1983 article. Uh, the lawsuit comes from the estate of Ehud Yone, author of a 1983 magazine article titled Top Guns, which inspired the original. So I don't know where this is going to go. I think this is probably going to be chucked out of court. But of course it is. It's yeah. absolute rubbish. The screenplay is a screenplay, isn't it? Yeah. No. We've shown lately that uh, people just can't sue people for nothing anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's, just, it's getting to the point now. Is it going to be worth your time to sue Hollywood? Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Scientology yeah. behind him. They ain't getting nowhere. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I feel like this is just one of those ones. Like if. Why didn't he sue any time before now? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, look how well this film's doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going exactly. to try and get some of that money. It'll get thrown yeah. out. It's... And I'm not being funny, but I bet there's 4,000 books about aircraft pilots. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I bet there's fucking thousands. Idiots. Next. Uh, Joker director Todd Phillips uh, revealed the working title for the Joker sequel, which fits in perfectly with our topic for later. It does. Um, Joker mm-hmm. 2. Had uh, an image of uh, lead actor Joaquin Phoenix reading the script, which the title apparently at the moment is Joker Follet Adieu. Hmm. Okay. Does that mean like Madness of Two or something? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, just... it doesn't need a sequel. Whether you like that film or don't like that film, I know this, but it seems to have gone through a lot of people saying they don't like it now more than they did like it, which. Do you know what I mean? It seems to have gone through one of those. I was there at the beginning well, saying I don't before. really care for this film. I liked it. I, I actually, it. fuck it. I really, really, really liked it. I don't mm, care. I if did. But I don't care if it borrowed, mm. borrowed themes from some, like a uh, Taxi Driver and uh, King of Comedy. I really yeah. like this yeah. film, and it didn't need a sequel. So one and done. But money, money, money. <sighs> Yeah. Money, money, money. It's good that it left you asking questions as well. And now if they're going to attempt to kind of explain what happened in the first film, it ruins it. It's a good mood piece. It's a good, like, think piece and mood piece. But other than that... Yeah. Like, this is this is perfect for today's topic. And Joaquin was fine in the role, you know. I thought he was perfectly fine as Joker. He delivered... Oh, Joaquin sort of, Phoenix is one of the best actors on planet, mate. The spiral of anything, somebody anything going you into give madness. Him. Mm. 
And speaking of which, Canin Canilingus. So, yes, there was a, a ploy from uh, a woman in Brazil who almost killed her partner after she put lethal toxin in her private parts. The intended <laughs> what? victim. What? So it's his wife trying to... to do with media. <laughs> Biggie. I thought it was just <laughs> a brilliant TV story. Show about it. It was Let on Fox. It was on Fox News. That's why. Oh well, fuck that. His wife tried to lure him into bed and encouraged him to perform oral sex on her. His suspicions were aroused when he noticed an unusual odor emanating from her private parts, <laughs> and fearing <laughs> fearing she was unwell, he took her to hospital. And they then discovered that she put toxin down there that, funny enough, would have killed both her and her husband. She confessed, and um, apparently. She hatched this bizarre plot after asking her husband for a divorce. So that's Brazil for you. I, I, I think Biggie just liked this story and wanted to tell everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> she just put poison in his drink. Exactly. Classic. What a great way to do it, though. Not not douse it all over your vajayjay. Speaking of twats, um, Xbox, that's what he wanted Microsoft. To do he wanted to do that. That's all he wanted to do was a segue. Fuck! No, um, Microsoft have now confirmed that Xbox games are coming to TVs, specifically Samsung models that apparently are only 2022 smart TVs. So you had a TV. And they're only £995 at the moment as well. Mm. It's interesting that uh, it's going to be, be cloud enabled. Mm. To be honest, if you want a cracking TV and yeah. an Xbox, it's going to cost you more than a grand. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course yeah. it is. I just don't think. Um, cloud gaming is there yet no and, it's and not also great. don't think that the infrastructure on internet even in the uk especially in the us isn't there yeah i agree, I agree. And unless you're on super mega gig fiber whatever it is the it's... thing is right in 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 uh, korea where they're going to launch this because obviously samsung internet's stupidly high in korea so they're going to see benefits from it yeah. They're like minimum packages, like a thousand megabits a second or something like that. I, I, I'm lucky if I'm breaching 100. I think this is uh, just them setting the way that it's going to be like phase, phase out consoles because they don't, make, positive they don't make any money on them, really, do they? Like, no, no so. nobody makes money on consoles, none yeah. of them do. I think it's a good move, it's a, it's a future. Proof move. Yeah. There's some talk about the Sony doing a PlayStation 5 Pro and Xbox releasing something similar as well. Of course they um, are. Last they're going to do think. that. That's, what do. That's the console cycle in, in a nutshell, isn't it? Usually about yeah, three years the... down the line, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This is better. The... Forget your old one. This is better. You won't be able to buy one, though, because you still can't buy the old one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With all the issues okay. about the chips and everything, I just thought maybe... Mm. Um, this, is this one hasn't got chips. This, no, it's water. I, I, I just, water yeah, I generally think this is Microsoft <laughs> literally saying, like, if we nail this and it works, how long does generations last? Seven, eight years? In five, yeah. five, six years' time, if this is running perfectly on Future people's proofing. TVs, they go, yeah, we're not launching a console anymore. It, our yeah. services, um, Game Pass, and you download the app on your TV, pay subscription, and that'll be still it. waiting for Game Pass on Switch. Then I'm done, mate. I'm in. I'm in. Steam Deck. Yeah, yeah, Steam. That's where I want. That's where I want Game Pass. That's that's the way to fucking play, isn't it? If if, if you could do a Steam Deck with a ten hour battery life, my god. Mm-hmm. So that the news do. that you've all been waiting for: a Duke Nukem movie is in the works from the Cobra Kai Duke creators, baby. apparently. 
Um, the company behind Dune and Godzilla monster movie series has picked up the movie rights from Gearbox. And the Cobra Kai creators, Josh Held, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg are on board to produce. See, that's that's a good thing. Mm. That's the only yeah, thing I think that can really maybe daft and fun. help this is exactly that, because no one gives a fuck about a Duke Nukem movie, really. It's got to either be a parody of everything that's already parodied. It Imagine can't it be this a way, serious movie, really, can it? Even with a title like that. Imagine it like, remember um, what Stig loved about the um, the Chippendale film, where it's it's like, in on itself, it's meta, isn't it? If yeah, you do yeah. that with Duke Nukem, make him a fallen icon. What's the John Senna kind of one? Thing. What's that, the called Peacemaker? Peacemaker, mm. something, yeah. Yeah, like, something. Like, 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 some, something like that. Where they, he knows what he is and he knows what he used to be. And it's like, imagine a Duke Nukem trying not to be a misogynist and stuff like, <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got to change my way. It, it should be that honest, kind of Peacemaker thing. is very like Duke Nukem. Like on, yeah. on the on the surface of him, he's all bravado and <clears throat> like swearing yeah. and, and putting people John down. John Senna would make a to, good Duke Nukem, actually. Trying mm-hmm. to be the, the 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 big man, and then behind closed yeah. doors, he's vulnerable. He's yeah. traumatized. Like they could do that with Duke Nukem. It's the only way it would. And there's many, many, there's many professional wrestlers that look like him. So we could get loads of people to play him. Yeah, anyone could play him. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, your, your mate. What's his name? Channing Tatum. He Brock, could do it. Brock Lesnar can't act for shit though, so he <laughs> he can't. Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar's a little bit too big to be Duke Nukem. It's not stopped uh, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Don't, because the Keanu Reeves fans will come at us again. Sick of it. Brock Lesnar could be one of the uh, hogs that he fights. Yeah, the hogs. Yeah. Next one, I love this story. This is incredible. So Snoop Dogg gives a full-time blunt roller a pay rise due to inflation. The US rapper, famed for being an avid cannabis smoker, of course, Confirmed he's given the person responsible for producing perfectly rolled joints pay rise. Imagine seeing that as in the job, you know, wherever you get your jobs online. Okay? Do you want to know how much? Roller. Do you want to know how much he earns? Go on. Yeah. Let's have a guessing game. How much do you think Snoop Dogg pays his blunt roller? Oh my God. 70k. I can get minimum wage. No, maybe a bit. 40, 40 grand in dollars. No. I, I reckon like 70k because he's going to be part of his entourage so we won't have to buy food or drinks. So he gets given, house. you know, like gear and clothes and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. He won't have to pay for nothing. It's 70k. Perhaps. No, Candy was right. It's 40,000. But 40,000 is still a lot of money to roll joints. Does yeah. Snoop Dogg <laughs> not realise? And, and this is the weird thing. He even sells his own pre-rolled blunts. <laughs> Maybe he's got this dude uh, rolling them for everyone. I mean, it's hard work, <laughs> isn't factory. it? Do you know how many joints that Snoop Dogg gets through in a day? You imagine, yeah, yeah. You're going to be busy. Oh, you get blisters on your fingers, wouldn't you? He's, they've probably mm. got it. They've probably just got a machine, just one of those ones, and then just... Hey, you can't roll them right on a machine, can you, guys? He just Doesn't eats. Work. Couldn't have picked anyone more I wouldn't know. <laughs> to advertise food as well. Oh, well. <laughs> a blunt roller, Jesus. What a job. Incredible. <laughs> How do you get um, that job, then? Yeah, I'd love to know. <laughs> and finally, lastly, The Last of Us Season 1 has officially wrapped. I'm looking forward to this. I think it, it looks like they're going for the atmosphere, at least, the, the look of the game. So I'm very interested to see how HBO, this man. turns out. In HBO, we trust, mm. don't we? Hmm. Is it going to be exactly like the game, or is it going to be doing the same thing? If it was like, if it was like, um, 
if it was like on um, Paramount Plus, I don't know. Not Paramount Plus. Something even even, it'd be, even worse. It'd be like, terrible. Who's the guys that do? Who's the guy that do the Flash and? Oh, CW. Fuck me. Yeah, if the CW were doing the last Can of you us, like, the last, CW's last of us. <laughs> Jesus. PG, the Fucking last of Archie us. Archie turns up. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. But yeah, this is it's HBO, man. It's got to be notebook quality. Yeah. And uh, Troy so. Baker and um, oh, I can't Ashley. remember her name. The girl that plays Ellie, they're both going to be in it Ashley. as well. Probably just as cameos. Ashley Johnson. Ashley, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna probably just a walk on. I'd love them to do like the Spider Man thing, like, huh, huh? <laughs> just the exact dress, exactly the same. They're probably lickers or something. They probably not lickers. Will be. What are they clicking clickers. Clickers. You're going clickers, back to your other news story. Lickers is resin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're going to end it. Oh, speaking of lickers, <laughs> <laughs> is that the news, sir? Yeah, that's the news. Uh, can you give us a football Thank update, God. please, Diggy? Uh, yeah, don't care. It's pre-season. <laughs> nil, nil. <laughs> I don't even know what the England Excellent. score was. <laughs> no, I don't. <sighs> anyway, let's move on to the Nexus. I think we've all got something this week, haven't we? Oh. Nice, that. Nice. We've all been busy. I want to know what Stig's been up to. Well, after last week... When Gadget talked about Star Trek, and we had a little yep. quick mention of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I mean, I watched... the, the whole chat about Star Trek was 25 minutes long, so not quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> GTA was a bit longer, I think. Fortunately. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I thought you'd come in with an apology today. <laughs> Sorry for my extended half an hour chat about GTA. <laughs> Good game. Good games. Even my list um, of Street yeah, Fighter games wasn't yeah. that long. Oh, that, list. that was too long, mate. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, yeah, I've I've watched Star Trek Strange New Worlds this week. And this is I'll put it out of the straight way, this is the best Star Trek since Voyager. Bar none. Wow. It is uh back <laughs> to being Star Trek. It's episodic, uh kind of mission of the week, if you will, that kind of thing. Uh it has really great characters. Uh I really like pa- uh, Captain Pike. Yeah, I like him. Captain Pike is played by Anson Mount. Uh, he was played uh, played Captain Pike in uh, Discovery, I believe. Discovery. Yeah. I never got that far because I quit on it. Oh, he's the best thing in it, but you have to wait till season two. Yeah, exactly. He's really, really good. Really charming. Really charismatic. He's very good looking as well, isn't yes, he? Yes, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's got a great quaff. Yes, he has. Quiff, quaff, quiff. Um, quiff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he kind of started out on Discovery, didn't he? And then this takes place yeah. after whatever happened there with his new crew on the Enterprise. So this is taking place before the original series. Uh, he is the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk. So on mm-hmm. this, you do get a young Spock. He is a character. You get a young uh, Uhura as well. And then you get a lot of new uh, characters in there. Um He's number one. It's just called number one. I don't know what her name is. That is just her character. Yep. I wonder if it's if, if it's the same number one as he had in Discovery. Yes, it is. Rebecca Roman. Roman. Yeah. Remain. Yeah. 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 yeah it's oh, her. That's cool then. Yeah. It's just the writing is excellent. The set pieces are really good. The um, any any of the battles have been in are really good. And yeah, it just feels like it's back to being Star Trek. I generally think God. this is proper Star Trek. Um, 
it, it, everyone's got their own little backstory, um, which they work into the weekly show narrative nicely. Uh, Captain Pike has a load of stuff and baggage from Discovery, but if you haven't watched that, it don't matter because you kind of caught up with that within the first couple of episodes. Yeah, in in, in Discovery, at, so, at a certain point, he, he like left and did his own thing. That must have been the point where this show... Started. Yeah, he finds... Well, basically, um, it's kind of known in law. He finds out how he dies. Yes, yes, he did in Discovery. So yeah. he finds out how he dies, and that kind of just sets him off the rails a little bit sends him off yeah and then they're like we need you to come back we need you back on the enterprise and then we get you know this show from it yeah for people that don't know he's the guy that trained um kirk yeah yeah so he's his protege basically but this is all like canon like in the original series he was um he he did have he was in a wheelchair and he was like burnt up and disfigured from an accident or something that happened this is all kind of leading towards that uh, whether they're going to kind of stick to that timeline or not, we'll see the longer the show goes they on. They have started diverting timelines on Star Trek. Yeah, they have. They did in so. Discovery, they started that trend. Exactly. So, you know, we, we could probably see them like <laughs> moving away from that and doing something different. The feedback I'm seeing online, people really enjoying it. Um, on the forums I'm on, people saying, what just watched episode four. This is four for four now. It's great. And the week after, five for five. It's really good. It just feels, and I can't stress this enough, like Star Trek. It doesn't feel like you can say you'd enjoy Discovery or Picard. I didn't enjoy them personally, especially yeah. Picard. Picard is just emotional manipulation throughout the whole thing, but with really mm. bad writing. So it just doesn't work. Does it work. not respect the, the viewer? No, it doesn't. And it doesn't respect um, Star Trek at oh, all, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but this is, this does. It feels like the writers are actually Star Trek fans. Does this it time. have a good theme tune? This is one of my <laughs> only gripes. It does not oh. have a good theme tune. I was so disappointed. It starts out with a space, the final frontier kind of speech. Does it? And then, and then it kind of then plays on the original tune, um, more so than the 90s yeah. stuff. It kind of mixes that in. But then I thought, right, here come the horns and the epic tune that you know, you'll know you be singing years down the line. Yeah. But it doesn't. It just kind of does that kind of like... Like kind of imagine though how worse it'd be if it was like space, the final frontier, these are the voyage, and then it went, nah, 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 come on. Still not as bad as Enterprise. It's still not as bad as the weird Rod Stewart esque ballad, but it's very Hans Zimmer esque, but forgettable. Like, like really forgettable. Like you, you won't be. You, you wouldn't hear this and go, oh, that's Star Trek Strange New World. Yeah. Like you would DS9 or the original series. Or... It sounds so fucking nerdy that we're sat having a discussion about a theme tune that's on for a fucking 30 seconds. Do you know what <laughs> I can think of? is just a part of Star Trek. All I yeah, can think important. of is it should be a whole new world, but a strange new world, the Aladdin song. That's all I've got in my head. <laughs> oh, the, the Disney's, it's but, a small yeah, the... world after all. <laughs> the, the theme tune is massive, like... When I went to see, I know it's a different series, but when when I went to see Rogue One and there was no crawl, I was like, "Huh? Yeah, it's what, weird, what the fuck's it? that? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it." But still um, with the plans and the crawls. The only other thing that yeah, I would, exactly the only other thing that I would say is I think what I would prefer would would if this had been in the future, and yeah. just got rid of all the baggage of Discovery, the original series. Yeah. It wouldn't have any legacy characters in like Picard. Or Riker or anyone because they'd all be dead, and yep. the title "Strange New Worlds" 
would have made sense. It still makes sense now in terms of the characters on the screen. New to them. But it would be new to us as well. The, yeah. the problem it has is it's limited in its law in that their technology and their discoveries and stuff can't go beyond what we know. Yeah. So if you would set this in a new quadrant that discovered, they could discover new species, they could discover new technologies and new things. It's still really good in its own right. And it's still I'm going to watch worked. it. I'm going to start it tomorrow. It still works really, really well. But I just want, I think that it's about time we had a Star Trek that was a bit further in the future like this. I don't want, and I stress this enough, I know you like Discovery. I don't want a Discovery type show. I want this, for me, Star Trek is this kind of exploring episodic. Yeah, epi- you want them out and about. Out and about, and about doing regions. episodic adventures. And then occasionally you come back to that episode yeah. or you have a two-parter. That's fine. I, I have nothing against, you know, a, a season arc because, you know, I love The Expanse and that has like season arcs and stuff. Just Star Trek, I just enjoy it when it's episodic and they're doing things week to week. And this is back at that with really good writing, good. really good characters, and um, really looking forward to seeing more. Fantastic, fantastic, brilliant, brilliant. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go now. So I've got two things, one really little one. So um, we know that Knights of the Old Republic 2. Hey, you cheeky forget. <laughs> Knights of the Old Republic 2. Has anyone ever played that before? Nope. No. Like the first one. I've never played it. Yeah, so off the strength of... um, Oh, so good. Off the strength of um, God is a Geek review by the ever-beautiful Lyle Carr, um, I decided to buy it for Switch because, you know, sometimes you think, "Mm, should I get the Switch version? Because it's out on everything. Um, It's kind of a semi-remaster type thing. It's not not really. It's just smoothed. Do you know when it's smoothed and it's a bit bit less choppy? Um, This game's fucking brill. Um, It's... Mass Effect before Mass Effect. So if you've ever played that, you'll know how to play this. But with lightsabers, um, it's set, which blows my mind, it's set four or 5,000 years before the Star Wars we know from the films, which is fucking weird because the technology is not progressed in 5,000 years <laughs> in that universe. <laughs> they still have Astro Droids, they still have lightsabers, they still all wear the same clothes. Why is that a thing in certain sci-fi things where... It's so far in the future, or so far behind. Technology is just... Look what we've achieved as a a species in 5,000 years. (laughs) Language, do you know what I mean? It is weird, isn't it? When you look at our progression as humans, how far we've come in just a couple hundred years, yet in sci-fi shows over thousands of years, it's like they've gone, we've hit peak technology. Yeah, we're going to stop. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was looking on. I was looking on some on, on, on a review, a different review on this game, and they were like, they were talking about that, and they were saying like, yeah, but I suppose in the films the ships are shinier. Mm. I'm like, fucking hell, is that all they've done in five thousand <laughs> years of cleaned ships? CGI got better, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just a fun uh, Mass Effect style game where um, it's very Dungeons and Dragons. Like every attack is a roll, and if you miss that roll, you'll just miss. You can't see the rolls happening. It's all going behind the scenes. Classic computer role-playing game. Um, kind of turn-based, but not really turn-based. You're constantly moving and stuff. Really good. Really good story. Um, and you can have fucking any colour lightsaber you want. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? But yeah, it's really good. But the main thing I want to talk about, and I've got... This is hard for me to discuss. Why? Because... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Big my grin on Candy's right now. <laughs> my whole persona is my loathing for a particular actor. Oh, okay. <sighs> so, Adam Sandler. I know you're listening to this. I've got an apology to make. Okay, you are a good actor. Because I watched his latest film, Hustle, and my God, I think it's my film at year. I fucking adore this film. It's available on Netflix as well, if you're wondering. It's it's up there with Rocky for me now, and I know we're only talking about Rocky <laughs> last week. This is it's the same. It's, it's very the template is like Rocky as well. So if you don't know what it is, so it's a American sports drama film with slight bits of comedy, directed by uh, Jeremiah Zagar from a screenplay by Taylor Matern and Will Fetters. Now. They're known for film people. The, the film stars Adam Sandler as an NBA scout who discovers a raw talent player in Spain's Juancho Hernan Gormez <laughs> and tried to prepare him for the NBA draft. Um, Queen Latifah is in it. Ben Foss is in it. Robert Duvall's in it. Uh, Le- LeBron James is the producer. So it's a basketball film, basically. And <clears throat> Adam Sandler's fucking spellbinding in it. Like... Oscar worthy, in my opinion. <laughs> Which is fuck. Look at Candy's face. <laughs> he is super, super, super good in this as Double Deuce. That's his nickname. Because basically, he plays an ex basketball that had an unfortunate accident. So he then became a scout. Um, so he basically travels the world for the NBA looking for, like, it, it's a known thing to do it now. Like, go to Russia for some tall people, to go to Spain for tall people, to go all over the, all over the globe. And. <clears throat> Ben Foster takes over um, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Foster and Adam Sandler don't get on. And uh, Ben Foster says, you're out unless you can find someone else. Someone, that that new, that new fucking <clears throat> Michael Jordan, that new fucking pizzazz, you know what I mean? That big star player. Because even people that don't like basketball know the big, the big hitters, don't they? Because the, it's like, if, if you don't like football, you know who David Beckham is, that kind of thing. So he's out there and he's 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 losing will to continue because he's having troubles with his wife and his daughter. He doesn't see them at all because he's out and about. And he's in Spain and he sees this fucking one-on-one basketball duel between um, Bo, this basketballer. Biggest fucking man you've ever seen. Absolutely ripped, huge. And he's a construction worker. And so it's the journey of how he takes him into to try and get into the... Um, the NBA draft and it's just so fucking good. Like there is, there is a little bit of comedy to it. It's funny. There's a lot of cameos from real NBA personalities and stuff like that. But there's just something about it. It, it is training montages. There's amazing hip hop soundtrack. Biggie, you're going to love the soundtrack. I swear. Check it out. Um, Adam Sandler, I, I couldn't take my eyes off him throughout the whole thing. He suits this middle-aged chubby uh, moron, in a weird way. He was available, but moron. I didn't hear he's, anyone. He's a lovely bloke. I didn't hear from anyone. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just so fucking good. And it's about how he's so determined. Imagine if Rocky was about Mickey rather than Rocky. Do you know what I mean? It's like that, but it's, oh, it's just so... I, I, I can't... I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to spoil the plot, but if you've got any interest in... Adam Sandler's redemption because we had uncut gems and then we've got this now, haven't we? That's 
Yeah, but he his next film with... is going to be um, Murder Mystery 2. So, Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> this is what I mean. This is what I mean. He did Hubie Halloween or whatever as well, and in between, it's like, when he's not directing it, when he's not in charge, the boy can act. And he's so fucking good in this. Everyone in it is incredible. Um, most of the um, the basketballers in it are real basketballers. Just they give them different names and stuff like that. But uh, if you like Rocky in any facet whatsoever, and you just love to see that rags to riches and a man that's willing to put everything on the line because he feel, thinks that this is a, this is a, a sure shot to his own redemption as well as making someone else's life better as well. It just it fucking hits, man. I fucking and the reviews for it are fantastic. They're saying it's like his second best ranked film he's ever done. What's and his first? Uncut Gems. Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm. And then I think it's Happy Gilmore is close. Bunch Trump, so, Bunch Trump uh, Love must be quite high. Mm. Yeah, it will be. But th- this is, I, I, it's, I've got. There's no flaws to it at all, and I wanted to go in and hate him <laughs> because it's Adam Sadler, but. Oh, if he does more films like this, I'll have to change my stance on him big style. But his um, his hit ratio is not very good, is it? Ooh, might be up for a biggie. Oh, mate, it's my film of year so far. <laughs> I fucking love it. I absolutely love it. The Redemption Biggie yeah. Award. <laughs> yeah, like I you got like, one last I, I got one this it. year. <laughs> yeah, I watched it the other day, and I, I, I told my wife about it, and I'm going to watch it again this week. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like. I've never done that with an Adam Sandler film in my life. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, Adam. But, yeah. Back in, mate. And Until Murder Mystery 2 comes out and I'm like, you're a fucking crap. <laughs> but, yeah. That's that's me. Uh, Biggie, what have you been up to? As usual, I've been a bit behind in the game. So, I've been catching up with Better Call Saul. Uh, I've been catching up with The Boys. Uh, really enjoying both. They're excellent. Uh, cannot wait for boys is so uh, the final part of Better Call Saul. Um, the boys, I haven't quite finished mm-hmm. episode four yet, but I'm really enjoying that. Really, really good. Top quality stuff, like everybody has said. Uh, better than in the last season so, as well. I'm on season three of Better Call Saul now, by the way, and uh, you're right. It's fucking good. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> just, just quickly, last week when you talked about the boys, Biggie and I took our headphones off. Listen back to that. Yep bit that you're talking about now and i've watched that bit that you were talking about now yeah did you enjoy it <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> can i just say that since oh, the scorch sheet it. episode sex toys seem to have been used in a lot of movies and tv series all of a sudden yeah gadget Princess. said that to me it's like they they, they we, everything we seem to do everyone just steals off us we need to start patenting yeah. And stuff yeah i mean do you know what i, I noticed also um when i had the boys um, about to show the next episode. It's rated 15. How the fuck? Is that a 15, for fuck's sake? I was about to say, there's no penetration in it, but yeah, there is. There is, yeah. There's <laughs> everything. Him. <laughs> I can't think of one thing that's not a theme within the boys. <clears throat> they, they just don't give 18s out for anything anymore. Do you think it's because it, it, it's straight to TV rather than on at the cinema? Because I know they do change them sometimes, I, don't they? From... Yeah, I, I genuinely think there's, there's less um, certification for tv shows especially streaming there always has just yeah it used to be that 18 would be because of sex rather than violence yeah, mm. yeah. it's literally just literally a big 
massive CGI villain. I think at one I point. think the actors now have to full on shag on set, don't they, for it to be an empty? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, it's fucking crazy. The one thing I have watched, which I believe no one else has, hopefully, um, is Our Father. Uh, you guys aware of this? It's uh, an American Netflix yes. original documentary. It is no different to all the other Netflix documentaries that they do. So you know the style. It has that for, for, um, foreshadowing music. It starts off talking heads. It's cliffhanger, even though you're going to binge it. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> this is based on, a, you know, this is factual events. And some of these are recordings. And it's also got a bit of reenacting with actors and some of the real people as well. It's got everything that you need. Um, but the story is basically based around uh, an Indian, in, sorry, start again, an Indianapolis-based fertility centre where it, uh, one of its doctors, Donald Klein, who um, basically mm-hmm. it's a case of fertility fraud. He uses his own sperm to impregnate dozens of unsuspecting patients. What? So That's fucking nuts. Right? So Real, just... We've been through this ourselves like as rape. a couple, and it's just something that you could not even think could happen. Fathom. So basically, it starts with some of the women talking about how um, this. Oh, by the way, this happened in the sort of seventies and eighties. So it's going. It starts off obviously back in the past, and it talks about how wow. um, these poor women and their husbands have obviously been trying to have families. Uh, turns out to be that the men are having the issues so they're looking to see what they can do this particular clinic has a very good reputation as does the doctor so they've gone there had um found out that they're told basically that any donated sperm will only um, be used up to three times and back in the days of before you can have all this frozen malarkey it would basically just have people donate regularly and it'd be pretty warm if you want to talk about it that way yeah, they used to pay them, yeah. didn't they? They used to pay for donations. So people would obviously try and find um, a donor that is as close to the couples as possible. And that was all fine. Yeah, looks-wise. So stuff. then one of the children uh, that was successful, obviously, she's got older. She wanted to find out um, if she had any siblings because she's grown up in a very happy family, but always wondered what it would have been like. Oh, no, I know what's So she goes on one of those um, DNA sites um, that somebody recommended, saying, you know, send off your DNA. So as the results come back, it says that she potentially is related. This isn't a spoiler. This is right at the beginning. That she is related to potentially seven people. So then she starts trying to investigate who they are to sort of just say, oh, well, this is really interesting. This is a bit weird. And then the story just starts to unfold. I, I can quite happily spoil it here if you want. Um, or I can just leave it for people that want to watch uh, no. it. No. Just, just give me the uh, the bullet point. So then from that point, it's then revealed to some other couples that it wasn't donor sperm used. And they also had their own sperm oh. brought in. So it's the husbands actually donating their own sperm to hopefully be used. It then turns out it's this doctor. And the dirty get the amount of people. I won't give you the figure because it's revealed at the end of the episode. But when they discover what's going on, so this particular person, uh, Jacoba is her name. She ends up obviously trying to get the attorney general involved to have this doctor investigated. Never hears anything back. So in the end, she contacts one of those sort of local news reporters. 
emails her yeah. and says, look, I've got this story. I've done my own investigation. So she, she gets involved and everybody else then gets involved. They get lawyers involved. But the most disgusting thing about this is that there is no law that covers what he did. So if you what? think that rape is rape, battery is battery, violence, etc., murder, manslaughter, there's all these things that have all these different labels and connections. But what he actually did, there's nothing that covers it in law. So they, no so they couldn't charge him with anything related to that. Oh, but there is something days, that disgusting. they can do, which gets revealed in the. I think the new pour it all over his fucking. The new head. story itself is shocking. It's just unacceptable what he's done. It's along, I'd say, no different to something that um, Harold Shipman did. It's that sort of. Mm. It's just it's fucking disgusting. Outraged. These families basically then get told. Yeah, it's a breach of trust, yeah, isn't it? You're not. You are my father. You've obviously brought me up. You know, I'm like forty years old. You've been my father all my life. But they then find out you're not my yeah. father, and that is just devastating for the family, for the wife, for the oh. father, for the husband. Uh, you know, the son and daughter. But also because the restriction of re only having the donor used three times, because they don't want people in a particular area. So let's say it's in a city to have all these people related to yeah. each other because then if they become adults mm. and then start dating that they could be almost having incest there'll be f there'll be 40 kids identical running around as well so then as the story unfolds up, more man. and more people are discovered and the number is just shocking this whole story is shocking that's but horrendous i want to watch it out of like morbid you should do it is well like, worth oh, watching i can't wait to watch this. the documentary itself is quite short and i, I think they tried to fill it out as best as they could with what the story unfolds. Is basically, it is what it is. There's no other drama around it. You know, it's basically, this is what's happened. This is what they tried to do. That's enough, really, it is, isn't it? But it's kind of, it's not the most riveting documentary in the sense of how it's presented. It's had mixed reviews. Yeah. And I kind of agree. It's an interesting story, absolutely horrific. But the way it's presented, I don't know, just, it's not its best, but just, yeah, it's still disgusting. Ooh, what's happened to these people? Yeah, it's absolutely shocking. And the reveals at the end. I'm glad. I'm glad that these things come out, which they should do, because Netflix. Because then you know, everyone's going to be like, this we is went the through thing. IVF as well. And if, if this had happened to us, I would just be like absolutely devastated. It'd be shocking how this has mm -hmm. happened. And I, I cannot sympathise enough for these people that have been affected. But the reveal at the end. So the documentary finishes, goes to black, and then it gives you that usual blurb of this is where we are now. And the data in that yeah. is just mind blowing, but yeah, just check this out. It's a great uh, documentary in the sense of what it's covering. Um, the people in there are very honest and open. It's heartbreaking to hear what's happened to him. The doctor himself is just a cunt. Um, but yeah, just people oh, <laughs> and people that worked yeah. with him had no idea he was doing this. Um, but yeah, God, the way they not, not going to do the they, no, it. the way they describe how things have happened and that it's just yeah. Wow. Incredible documentary, but not wow. the best presented. But the story itself is worth finding Thank out. Thank you for bringing it to light because it's an important I think so. thing. And yeah, absolutely. I know they say it it's was. not covered by rape, but I'm sorry, that is rape. Mm. It's, it, is, it's, it is, isn't it? It's it is. the most personal invasion non, you could possibly imagine. Yeah. The lack of consent, non-consensual yeah. is the biggest issue with this. But fucking yeah. life. Anyway, 
Candy, I hope you've got something a bit more light-hearted than that. Yeah, I think Thank I you, think B. I do. I'll lighten the mood a bit, shall I? I've been doing two things this week. First thing I've been doing, I've been playing a little game, adorable, called Silt. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this one. It's, it came out about a week ago. Um, so Silt, no, what is Silt? Silt is an underwater horror game. It's created by indie developers Spiral Circus. Um, I've actually been waiting for this one for quite a while. I saw um, the trailer um, a while ago, and I was kind of piqued by its visuals. Um, the entire game, it's it's all black and white. Um, visually, it's like incredibly stylized and beautiful. The, the graphics <clears throat> um, have a sort of a hand-drawn quality to them, but um, somehow they convey a real sense of doom as well. So um, this, gorgeous. I'm looking now. It looks yeah. like it was stunning. Yeah, it's it's it is just drop dead gorgeous. Like and um, the style itself, actually, wow. um, it was created by two people. One of whom is Tom Mead, and he's an illust- um, illustrator. And the game itself is based on his his watercolor paintings. Um, it's but to listeners who can't see it, a good a good comparison of of the look of the game itself as a whole is you could probably compare it to Gris, but without those kind of beautiful colors as you progress through the game it's just has these kind of dark scratchy creatures and some of it actually looks quite steampunk as well um it seems as if the world that you're in is could potentially have been the world as we know now it's just completely sunken um Mm -hmm. but there's there's no music all you can hear is the characters breathing throughout and and i should say at this point that your main character is a deep sea diver and you're wearing this um incredibly old style kind of diver's helmet again really steampunk looking yeah um the beginning of the game uh starts with your character and you're kind of chained to the floor um you're just kind of floating there and as soon as you discover your characters uh, you just have the one ability and that's that you're able to take over the local kind of um sea life so you can take over the bodies of um sea creatures and they themselves have individual um abilities that kind of help you maneuver through the game's puzzles um it's kind of a puzzle platformer basically there's no dialogue at all there's actually very little in the way of law other than kind of the, the the background imagery you can see um but the story itself is often quite cryptic and ambiguous and even the ending it's it's kind of left up to you to decide um, like Limbo and Inside. It's exactly like Limbo. Yeah, Gris that's as well. a really I good comparison. Gris has been interpreted different ways as well. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah, I mean, other than the visuals, um, or other than what I you... like these little platformers, though. I fucking love them. I live for it. Mate. Yeah, it's fine. Um, there, there is a very short poem at the at the very beginning, and that's that's the only text that gives you any kind of clue. Um, it's like a mood piece poem. Yeah, it basically. That's the only yeah. thing. That gives you any kind of clues to what your objective actually is, so you're still left to draw your own conclusions. Um, the gameplay itself is probably where it is let down a little bit. Um, firstly, it's, oh, it's it why is. Did a sh- you say that? I know, but well, I'll come. I'll come back to that because actually, it's not really the gameplay. It, I think is secondary. I think it, it's kind of a trip yeah. through the artist's mind. Um, but anyway, as I said, it's, it's a really short game. It took me about three hours, um, but that mm-hmm. was from not knowing the puzzles and I was stopping from for Facebook scrolling and texting and stuff. Three um, hours is good for these kind of games. Like It took me like two and a half hours to do inside and I wasn't complaining at all. Yeah, I, th- I think if you knew what you did, if you played through it before, it's probably you're probably looking at about an hour. Um, mm. 
the puzzle well maybe a bit more for completionist but you know that's always the case um the puzzles don't get that platinum yeah the puzzles themselves are relatively simple um there are a few few moments where i was kind of left scratching my head mainly because it's sometimes a little bit difficult to tell what's in the background and what's actually a movable object what objects you can sort of manipulate um so that's a bit hard to distinguish sometimes but like I said, the gameplay is with this game. The gameplay is kind of um, secondary. It, it, it's just a mm-hmm. trip through this this artist's mind and everything. And um, that one is available on all main platforms at the moment. So that was that was fun. That was a good couple of days, couple of evenings. Oh, it is basically yeah. uh, if you've got claustrophobia, just don't. Because <laughs> is it on Stadia? Not Stadia. She said all good platforms. All, all good. All the main ones. All the main ones. Stadia's best. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's true, is it? Um, <laughs> I've never even used it ever, <laughs> not once. So that was um, that was fun, a couple of nights. The main thing I yeah. did, I went to see a film called Men. Mm. And, I like the um, trailer, this. <laughs> what, what, what? Men? M- men. Are you sure it was a film or not a, a club? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been to plenty of those clubs. Um, but no, it definitely so was a film. I? I okay, men. I don't really know where to start with this one. Has anyone heard Can you anything? Talk about men. I, I've seen <laughs> the trailer. I have listened to certain reviews. Some favourable, some not. Some say the last twenty minutes is where it just goes. I uh, I've heard the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me fill you in. So. Um... <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> no. Oh God, I'm going to fill my man in. Tiger. <laughs> Oh. Uh, so basically, it's... There's only one way to enter a man, and that's through his penis. Oh, no, and then you explode <laughs> out of it. It's disgusting. not the only way. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it's an ethereal horror from writer and director Alex Garland, who we know from several other projects, such as Ex Machina, Annihilation, Devs. Love the man. And it's an A24 film as well, so that's um, the company. So if, you know, if you're a film... Hoity-toity film. Yeah, you're probably... <laughs> If you're clued up, you know where this is going. It's the kind of like art housey type film. Um, and this is a bit of a step away from his usual sci-fi genre. So this is going to be minor spoiling, spoilers for the beginning of the film, um, but I'm going to have to sort of say it for context. Um, Men stars Jesse Buckley as Harpler, Harper, who has recently become free from a abusive um, marriage after the death of her husband, who she witnesses falling to his death in what appears to be a suicide. Um so yeah, it's a bit of a trigger warning. It does deal with some quite disturbing imagery and quite a quite a horrible subject matter right from the start. So she's taken herself off to it's basically an Airbnb she's rented in the countryside to do a bit of soul searching and try and heal from the trauma of her relationship and the violent end. Um, she's greeted mm. by Jeffrey, who's the landlord, played by Rory Kinnear, and he seems sort of quite a pleasant fellow. If not, he's a little bit sort of over familiar. Um, but she, she, is he Greg Kinnear's son? I don't know. I think he might be because he. I think, I think he looks a bit like him. Yeah, Greg Kinnear's good. Yeah. So if it's his son, he's it, might not be. But uh, oh is. god, no! Like Rory Kinnear's like about the same age as he old. He's British. Oh, is he right? He's British. Brothers, oh, maybe. They're not related. Greg Kinnear's fifty-eight. Rory Kinnear's forty-four. So yeah, there's. <laughs> so well, that's his definitely Possible. his son. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's just a name that you don't hear very often, that song. No, no, he's a, he's a British stage actor um, to like film TV star every now and again. Right, fair enough. Nice. But yeah, anyway, so Jeffrey, a little bit over familiar. 
Um, she kind of settles in, calls a female friend, um, just to say about the house, um, and mentions that Jeffrey is a very specific type. And it's quite important that she says that because it's a theme that kind of keeps presenting itself as you meet the various characters that live in the village. Um, so during a walk in the nearby forest, Harper comes across this uh, homeless man who then seemingly kind of stalks her back to the house. And from there, we're introduced to a number of the local characters. All but one, yeah, all but one, I think, being men. And they're all played by Rory Kinnear, which you would have also seen in the trailer. Um, but I'll go back to the part where Harper describes Jeffrey as being a specific type. Um, all the men in this village can be described in the same way. Um, they all carry a specific type of what you could probably call toxic masculinity. Um, you've got Jeffrey who sees himself as a sort of knight in shining, shining armour, saving the damsel in distress. A sexually repressed vicar, police officer who's just completely ambivalent to how distressed Harper is after her experience with this homeless man in the forest and the events that follow that. Um, so without, you know, I'm not going to go any more into the story, but that's basically what happens within the first sort of 20 minutes. That's the sort of setup. And now two... two... I'm in. I think I'm in. Well... Let me carry on because you might not be. <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh no! I was in by the trailer and until I heard people. Oh, my. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. Two, two thirds of this film is tense and gripping, and I was really enjoying where the plot was going and the elements of it kind of being open to interpretation again. Now the third act and the final scene, as we mentioned, is where it kind of lost me. And yeah, you've all maybe heard that the final scene it goes a little bit. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what happens. Fuck. I've just heard that it. Can I don't know what happens. Yeah. Goes. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but it's it is getting quite talked about quite a lot in terms of just how far it goes. Um, it's potentially one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in the cinema. Wow. Like it goes Whoa. from being a it goes from being a thriller to just a straight up body horror. And in my opinion, no it's kind of just shocking for the sake of being shocking. Like, I understand the message, but it just absolutely, like, it was bad to begin with. And then it just outstayed its welcome. And it just went far, just far too far that you, you don't need to hammer the point home quite that much. It was just being disgusting for disgusting's sake. Um, and I do think that, Shame. I think Alex Garland has a little bit of a tendency to lose control towards the end of his films. Like, it was the same in the Yeah, he does. It does. Yeah, he does. He generally like you, you know you know his cinematography style and that. It always it's always front front loaded for me. Mm. And then the back half always like a man in a silhouette. Oh, someone being chased. Oh, it always seems to be that. Yeah. But I, I, I always like mm. his starts. I always like how he puts a film across. I don't think he's ever done a bad film, but. I well, oh, I mean, I didn't enjoy Ex Machina oh, that like much, that. but everything else, I think oh, I did. Oh, I loved it. It was annihilation. I did. I, I was really liked it. On. I I think maybe I need to go back at it, back to it, knowing more his style. I think, um, but yeah, it's the same in Annihilation, where the final scene just gets a little bit too kind of wiggity whack. But this is just he couldn't do too much on Annihilation though, could he? Because it's based on a book. Couldn't do too. Much. Did he not write that book though? I thought he wrote Annihilation. I don't know. Did he? I think he wrote Annihilation. Did he? All right. Because he is—he is an author as well mm. as a um, as well as a director. I, didn't, I, I don't know if he's. I've only seen Annihilation once, but I—I I didn't come back from Annihilation thinking, "Oh, I didn't like that ending." I just know. I just remember the beginning being 
better. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, like the same ending, with all his films, I think. The ending was just a bit like it's it just goes a bit um out of control, I think. So just without um, you obviously ah, yeah, reveal anything, who do you think it. this movie's aimed at? Because I thought the title was obviously quite important, I guess, for that as well. Is it aimed this the story the well, message that they're trying to get across in certain movies and you know, who is this film for? Is it a comment, commentary on men? Is it aimed at women's opinions? Yeah, it's it's a commentary on yeah, men. It's commentary I think it, on on how how men are bad by a man. That's not very good, is it? Well, it it does kind of miss the mark a little bit in terms of representing the the daily, like just what women do do have to go through a little bit. And I think maybe going to the yeah. country was a little bit of a strange move because it's in cities and stuff where I feel like I have to take go that extra half mile to take the, the lit. yeah exactly yeah. just you yeah, know absolutely. take the lit path home and you know that kind of thing in the country yeah. you're just yeah. kind of there by yourself and yeah so it's I, I think probably it was well-intentioned but missed the mark a little bit but you know it's as a man you, you haven't had to live through that kind of thing and it's not like a woe is me yeah. I'm a woman kind oh, of thing yeah. but you do just have to take a little bit of extra care absolutely. and it's just you know it's being sensible you have to but you, you do know. Course, yeah, you shouldn't have to, but you yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, sorry. So, yeah. so going back to the um, the ending, and in, t- in terms of his endings going a bit out of control, this this is just on a completely different level entirely, and it did kind of spoil my enjoyment my enjoyment of the rest of the film. I think. Um, but story is it one of them where you walk out and you're just like, why did you do that? Yeah, that kind of exactly. Thing. I've, I've I've come out of films with going. Oh, that last twenty minutes. My, why, why? That's exactly. You know I mean? it. I've never felt physically sick in a cinema before, unless it's you know, Double unless clubs. it's motion sickness. Top Gun came a bit close, but that was a different kind of sick. Sick as fuck, bro. Just too much cruise. No, it wasn't that kind of sick. Yeah. But story story aside, the cinematics as stunning as ever. Just we always expect that from an action silhouettes. Yeah, lots of oh yeah, there was quite a lot of silhouettes actually. Yeah. He loves the silhouette. Um, the soundtrack is really effective. It's, it's actually used quite sparingly um, and to good effect. There's, in particular, there's one scene and its use of echo, echoes to create this kind of haunting melody is just really good. It actually sounds like um, the Akira soundtrack in some bits. You know, you've just got the kind of voices Whoa. all over the place. It's a little bit like that. Now you've got me. Um, visually, the use of those saturated colours to convey emotion. It makes you feel as if you're watching kind of a moving piece of art as well sometimes. Um, Jesse Buckley plays a role well, but it's Rory Kinnear. He's the standout for me. He plays multiple characters, all loads. Ah, oh, Greg Kinnear's son. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, official. Son. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all just completely loathsome, but in different ways. There's there's one character he plays. The CGI is a little bit off, and I don't know whether that's an intentional thing or if it's just quite bad. And that was a little bit jarring. Mm. Um, but that aside. Um, if you do like A twenty four films and Alex Garland films, you'll probably you'll probably enjoy it. I think I, I don't think it's his strongest. Um, I no. I personally enjoyed Annihilation much more, and I wonder if it's if it is because it's it's his first step away from sci fi. I think it's going to be a fairly mm-hmm. difficult film to digest for the casual cinema goer. Um, especially, we're not going to do a spoiler cast on it, are we? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't want to think about it again, to be quite honest. No. Um, See, this is, you're putting me off, really, when you stuff. I get really affected by it. Oh, annihilation. It's, I was yeah, trying to I mean, if you're expecting was. a traditional horror. Oh, that's really good. Mm. Mm. 
it's it's definitely more of an art house piece. And um, the final thing I've just done, and I don't know if you want to, we'll probably t- chat about this in uh, the green room, but I've just watched the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. Ooh. Who else watched it? Haven't we all? Yeah, I have, yes. <sighs> I'm you feeling know. a little bit deflated over Starfield, guys. <laughs> this was going to be my reveal I'm, of the I'm, century. I'm fucking pumped for it, mate. It's it's just almost cut and paste too much. Like, and don't get me wrong, I love Fallout, but I wanted something radically different. This is different. the person that's bought Skyrim <laughs> seventeen times. I don't want the same. Game I didn't say again. it was like fucking Skyrim, <laughs> but that's what Fallout's like. Skyrim, They're no, all it's not. Insane. Fallout's not Skyrim, but it's just Skyrim's uh, good. It, certainly, the bits where you're where you're on <laughs> land, it seemed like Fallout. Um, I, the space travel piqued my interest. But mm. we'll see. I just can't help but feel just a little bit meh about it. There were a couple of... Do you reckon it's going to be another, another cyberpunk scenario where you get pumped and then you get there and it's like, oh, no, this is not good. I'm trying to manage my expectations because especially in recent yeah, years. But, God, the frame rate was all over the place as well. Like, I can understand... Oh, that was choppy as fuck. I can understand why it's been delayed. Like, I was talking to Gadget, actually, as we were watching it, and we have concerns. <laughs> Not, yeah, not delay it for another two years. Fuck it, make sure it's ready. I don't think they can, can they? Because it's been so long since no. when it was Fallout Investors! 4. It's been about seven years since Fallout 4, I think. And then the I mean, can you even count Fallout 76 as their last release? Are they not going to do Fallout 77 or anything like that? Come on, I mean, they've got DLC <laughs> that that game ain't gonna and die. Starfield coming out and now. a couple of other highlights. What's when coming is Starfield out? due out now? What did they say? Next year, within, of, within 12 months. First half of next year, so it could potentially be a year away. But, you know... They, they... I, want Stig, I want Stig's correct prediction now. Is Starfield coming out next year, Stig? Yes. Ooh. Okay. Oh, he's used the correct with these things. Stig has spoken. So get ready. Uh, other couple of highlights. Uh, Redfall looked a bit more exciting than I uh, thought before. Um, Hollow Knight 2, or is it a DLC, or is it a sequel? Silk no, it's Song. Full... It's not called Hollow Knight Silk 2. Oh, I'm game. sorry. If they've taken this Fucking long to do hell. DLC, then I'd be disappointed. No, it's a it's a full on. <laughs> anyway, the next Hollow Knight and um, the last case of it's a Benedict Fox looks cool too. What's so, that? oh, the Benedict the Fox. Fox, yeah, I really like the look of that. Looks cool, doesn't it? So, yeah. um, I did look good. Probably chat more about it in the green room unless anything anyone else has anything to add now. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll come back to Xbox if you want your gaming chat, guys. Subscribe to our Patreon, you type bastards. Because <laughs> that's where all the that's where all the good stuff is. Trust me, it's seven hours worth after this. We do seven hours in green room. Show us the money. You're all missing. We only just finished last week. <laughs> about two hours ago. I'm exhausted. Only just finished. Only <laughs> <laughs> just finished. So let's move on to the main topic. Um, Biggie, I think you're helming this, aren't you? Hey, was it worth it? Seriously? <laughs> I don't know, well, was it? We'll find out. <laughs> So, basically, we're going to be talking about sequels, prequels, to something fantastic. Was it worth that time and effort? Did it add anything to the story? Did it keep up with the quality of the original? Is it an Empire Strike Back, or is it The Last Jedi? We will find out. And so, yeah. Um, <laughs> People love The Last Jedi, you know. People love I like it. The Last Jedi. Rise of Skywalker's production. <laughs> Just the trilogy in general. Was it worth it? No. <laughs> No. <laughs> so I'll quickly uh, take this off. Um, so yeah, basically the one I wanted to talk about was Jaws. So thanks to 
I think we're going to yeah, thanks to Jaws, I, I still have a fear of open water, particularly obviously when you're out and about. Um, I've been to foreign countries, as you know, and I've swam in many an ocean, and I've mm. always had a bit of a bit of a fear Ooh, whilst I'm right. in that water because yeah, Jaws was frightening, man. Uh, assuming that most people have seen it, but if they haven't, um, it's back in '75 that um, Steven Spielberg basically launched. Probably the film that started off his career, I would say. I know he did Jewel, which is fantastic. It's the first film that was called yeah. The Summer Blockbuster. And uh, it was based on a novel by Peter Benchley. Uh, in the film, it's basically a man-eating great white shark attacks beachgoers at a summer resort town. And the local police chief, Martin Brody, has to hunt it down with the help of a marine biologist and a professional shark hunter. Um, he tries to warn the town, but uh, the local mayor doesn't listen to him. And, you know, chaos ensues um considering it was a troubled shoot the um obviously they're not using real sharks so the shark that they did use was mechanical i think it was called bruce or something if i remember right um they had lots and lots of issues um because obviously this mechanical beast being used in the water tended to fail half the time but um throughout the movie and it works in its favor very similar to like aliens you very rarely see the shark until near the end of the movie and I think it worked better for that. And yeah, Jaws fucked a lot of people up because of um, the sheer fear of being in open water when swimming. That you're probably even in water that isn't going to ever have sharks in it. I still had that fear, um, frightening it. Just So when you first saw Jaws in 70, it came out in 75. I saw it as a kid. Yeah. So when you were 21, when it first <laughs> came out. <laughs> Did it stop you going swimming then, yeah? I just want to But no, but genuinely, I, I don't know if it's affected <laughs> you guys at all, but I just have that fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck it. I get scared, scared in the bath sometimes. <laughs> in case there's a shark. In case in they open the shark <laughs> trap door or something. Especially when I got a bath bomb in remember, and the water's all dark. Fuck that. No. I remember going to um, uh, swimming baths in Barnsley, where they have, you know, the wave pools. And. They unleash that big cage underneath. If you look underneath with your goggles on, that big cage where all the waves come. I used to think they were fucking bringing sharks out. <laughs> I used to shit myself. <laughs> I, uh, I never saw Jaws till 2018. So oh. What did you think? Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a masterpiece. Right. I'm interested in seeing it like really only so few years ago. Does it still have that sort of impact? Does it still work? Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it, the, the problem is, and I think you're going to touch on this as well now, is just like Jurassic Park, Spielberg nailed shark films. So everything that's coming yeah. after it is just... Never going to be as good. Yeah, can't follow it. And, and, and that's exactly yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. This was perfect. And funny enough, um, just a little bit of trivia, the novelist Peter Benchley was so appalled by the fact that the impacts of his book and the film had on people, he actually turned into a bit of a conservationist and supported the sort of the looking after sharks and other marine life because he... he not so bad. There was a problem in the seventies where, uh, in Australia, I remember remember watching a documentary about Jaws and its impact, and there were people going out hunting sharks mm. just because they were scared so much. It's like before they come on land and get us, they'll grow legs soon <laughs> and they'll be after us. It's like fuck off. That's the apex predator. It's it's this perfect organism, isn't it? So disappointingly, fuck you it, up. The success of Jaws led to three sequels. And the films altogether have earned nearly eight hundred million worldwide box office gross. 
and the franchise itself has had parodies it's albums novels trading cards theme park rides and universal studios florida games there's even a musical that premiered in 2004 i mean it's had everything not quite sure how they pulled that off but um a musical. I am Jaws and I'm going to bite you. A man running around with a oh, fin and on his Obviously, back. I have to give a special mention oh, to no, um, the soundtrack as well. That dunum, dunum, it's just incredible. Just so it's basic and simple. I'm not saying it was obviously simple to create, but just the, the simplicity of that is just incredible. It's absolutely. It's the horns when mm, they creep in as well. So fucking. So then, yeah, George. <laughs> it's probably one. It's, it's, it's like a masterpiece of suspense, isn't it? It's it's fucking... I do mean to watch it again. Oh, um, I've seen it loads of times, but I watched it a few yeah, years back, saying... and I was just like, "Fuck, yeah. this film's good." But uh, yeah, Jaws Two um, was the most expensive film at the time that <laughs> Universal had produced, and it cost the studio thirty million back in the day. Um, <laughs> opened at the same weekend as Greece. Uh, just a very similar kind of plot that it was another shark appeared in the same place to, to Greece. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, it was a very similar plot. Another shark turned up in the same town. The police chief was obviously trying to do his best to get rid of the shark and blah, 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 blah. But it, it, it was fine as a movie. Um, it had its own bit of suspense and out of all the sequels, it's the best, but it, it, again, it can't touch the original. Yeah. Lobar. So I think somebody, um, one of the critics said Jaws 2 never approaches the lingering thrills of its classic predecessor, but it's um, it's reasonably entertaining for a sequel that has no reason to exist. So it just wasn't needed. Jaws itself was a perfect film. It didn't have like an open ending or anything like that. It was just literally done. Spielberg didn't direct the sequel. He wasn't involved at all. Oh, God, no. Still, I think he was in a producer role. Stud Roy, Roy Schneider uh, came back Schneider, for it. Still, Ro- and, Schneider, uh, he was fantastic. Yeah. In the yeah, first. He did. Rob Schneider's dad. Oh, sorry, he was fantastic in the first movie, and again, he was he was absolutely fine in the second. Um, but then Jaws 3D. Now, <laughs> <laughs> this came out. I've seen this one. <sighs> I've seen. Can you imagine that I've seen this film before I saw Jaws? What? That is fucking batshit. I just randomly watched it on what it was like late on TV one night when I was a kid. It's all. Oh, when you watch it on a normal telly, Jaws 3D looks fucking stupid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so stupid. And the film follows the Brody children. So that oh. this family clearly completely so unlucky. <laughs> because as from the previous films, they went to SeaWorld. Just move to the desert for fuck's Florida sake. Marine Park with underwater tunnels and lagoons. And as the park prepares for an opening, Ugh. a young great white shark infiltrates the park from the sea and starts attacking the park employees. <laughs> um, and then it turns out there's another shark, even larger, was the actual one uh, killing people. So they even were trying to hunt down the wrong shark. Uh, the film made use of 3D glasses. Um, they were those weird bendy cardboard ones, you know, that are really disposable. Mm. Very famous. Yeah, yeah the red, red, red yeah, ones that you red. saw in, uh, like, Back to the Future and stuff like that. It was gremlins. You got them out yep. with Rice Krispie packets. Um, <laughs> there was, I think, Friday the 13th Part 3 in Amateurville were sort of trying to utilise this, you know, big yeah. revived interest. Yeah, they were shite. Um, 
<laughs> the um, it obviously, as um, Oodle said, the 3D was completely ineffective on home viewing. Um, so it just looked really weird on TV. Yeah, but they didn't nope. do anything so to it adjust it. Really nothing odd. to adjust it for home viewing. It's still fucking so 3D. Even though it had overwhelmingly <laughs> so negative reviews, um, it could only get worse after it was followed by Jaws The Revenge oh. in 1987. <laughs> this, is, this is the best one. <laughs> well, there's a shark in the water. So, Jaws The Revenge is a 1987... It's got your best mate in it. American horror <laughs> film... Um, produced and directed by Joseph Sargent. It's a direct sequel to Jaws 2, so it completely ignored what happened in Jaws 3. Um, and <laughs> the wife of the police officer, played by Roy Schneider, um, reprised her role because he just randomly died of a heart attack for some reason. Um, it also stars Mario Adam Van Peebles <laughs> and obviously, famously, Michael Caine. The film focuses on her, and Michael she's convinced Kane. that a great white shark is seeking revenge on her family. <laughs> when it kills her son, it's angry. It's not it's the same shark. shark. So how would it even know? It's just mental. There's no logic. This, this shark is There's the same no shark, logic mate. to this at all. It's got scars. It just said it. it just I love it. It's like a vengeful shark returns to avenge the death of her prodigy, like. <laughs> Like the shark knows that I sent that shark out to uh, Amity thing is, and right, they killed it, you... so I'm taking my revenge. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to get really into this, you get to which science stuff. Once sharks have a baby, they don't see that baby ever again. No, they send <laughs> they, they send them out to not... terrorize uh, beaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then when they don't report they're, they're, they're back, they send, the, they send out the send out the soldiers. <laughs> yeah, they're not mammals. They don't live in a fucking a pride, a pride of sharks. <laughs> They just fucking fuck off. The predators. What do you think a group of sharks would be called? Like a bite, a bite of sharks. It's a school. Oh, yeah, it must be. Yeah. Is it? Oh yeah, the, the fish, aren't they? The fish. I don't like that. That's, yeah. that's not only you should go and watch the trailer for this movie because right at the end you get Mr. Voiceover. You know the, the famous guy that did all the, those those trailers, and he goes at the end this this time. Just when you thought it was sick. he comes up with this time water. it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> It's by the way, I just had a quick look up. It's called a shiver of sharks. Oh, a shiver oh, of sharks. See? A shiver. A shiver, yeah. I honestly thought sharks don't hunt in packs. I thought they were just soft. No, uh, I think it's just when there is a group of sharks, but yeah. When there is, we've all, it's, it's the annual shark gathering. We're all got together. <laughs> where have you been? Oh, I've been at Bondi Beach. Oh, where have you been? I've been in Florida Keys. Oh, it's been a right, it's been a right year. <laughs> Fucking Where's Bob? Shark, oh, he man. didn't return. He he got killed. Bob didn't make it. He got killed by Rod Schneider. So, Fucking dead. Jaws of Revenge was made in less than nine months. Um, apparently, it was the fastest major film that had been executed tell. in um, all the years of the production manager on the film had ever seen. Um, in an interview, the director stated that the premise was born out of a little bit of desperation to find something fresh to do with a shark. We thought that maybe if we take a mystical point of view and go for a little bit of magic, we might be able to find something interesting to sit through. <laughs> they did. Oh, oh God. God. I know Shark uh, Mark Kermod always t- tells the uh, story about how Michael Caine opened the script. He says, we open on a beach in Barbados. And he just said, and that's when he signed up for it. It says here. <laughs> yeah, it went on an holiday. Yeah, because it was a free holiday. It says here, Caine had mixed feelings about both production and the final version. Um, at the end of it, he said, um, because of the history of, obviously, Jaws and everything like house. that, he thought it'd be nice to be mixed up with a, 
the legendary movies. But in the end, he said, uh, by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I've seen the house that it built and it's terrific. <laughs> yeah. And he says, yeah, it will go down <laughs> to my house. memory as the time when I won an Oscar, got paid for a house and had a great holiday. Not bad for a flop movie. Michael it gets even worse. Folks. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got 39 reviews. The film has an approval rating of 0%, with an average rating of 2.7 <laughs> out of 10. The critical consensus reads, illogical, tension-free, and filled with cut-rate special effects. Jaws the Revenge is a sorry chapter in a once-proud franchise. And then somebody else pointed out, um, <laughs> Roger Ebert said, it's not simply a bad movie, but also a stupid and incompetent one. He lists several elements that he finds unbelievable, which also include the fact that one of the characters, Ellen, is haunted by flashbacks to an event where she was not present. She wasn't even there. She weren't there. <laughs> oh, what was, what was Spielberg? And he also said many scenes are considered he implausible, such as a shark swimming from Massachusetts Island to the Bahamas in less than three in less than three days. <laughs> And somehow knowing Fake. that the Brady family went there. Yeah. Mystical. Magic, oh, magic shark. Best film ever made. Do you know what? The, the fucked up thing is we are this. Lowest, one of the lowest uh, um, Rotten Tomatoes score ever and open critic scores ever. This is still someone in this world. That's their favourite film. It is. And that's fucked up. That's what's fucked up about it. I think I need it. to watch it. I think I need to see it. it is. Oh, it's so bad. I remember watching it like... Oh, Knowing that, that it's bad regardless. 17, 18. I got so drunk and we watched it. And it affected me. I had a dream but about it. I just remember well. it being shit, really bad. Other just, than that, it's just yeah, shit. It just doesn't have that tension of the movies. The first. It's just and Jaws, terrible. Again, like you say, a masterpiece. Jaws 2 is absolutely fine, really. wasn't necessary, but it was absolutely fine. But everything after that yeah. is just... Tuna. It's a, there's that famous scene in Jaws the Revenge where uh, and it's it's memed a lot sometimes where Michael Caine is a bit and he's just staring bluntly at the camera, which is a big no-no on films, and he's just staring because he doesn't know he's in shot. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. I love it. Oh, get it watched. Yeah, that's get it for it me. Watched. Moving on to Vesa uh, Voodles. Me? Uh, hi. Was it worth it? So... Since 1982's release of the Hobbit video game. Then, in 1987, Lord of the Rings game on the Spectrum. Fans of the world of Tolkien have been clamouring for a deep, traditional, turn-based role-playing game set in this universe. But we had to wait until 2004 for Electronic Arts to release what it claimed back then as the Final Fantasy Killer. The game is, of course, The Lord of the Rings, The Third Age. Has anyone oh. ever played this game? Yep. No. So it, it released on PC, Xbox, PS2, and GameCube. Now, I was absolutely buzzing for this. Uh, it basically rips off the combat from Final Fantasy X to the point where the <laughs> menus are identical and they had to pay royalties to Square Enix Seriously? after the game released. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's completely ripped off. Now... EA have always had a good relationship with Square Enix because they published uh, a lot of their uh, Western releases way back, way back when. So they thought they probably could just get away with it, but no, they didn't get away with it. Um, so this game, while starting off extremely promising to someone like me who was into it, 
using the tried and tested gameplay mechanics of Final Fantasy X that a lot of people know and love. It manifests into perhaps the most batshit computer game I've ever played. And I'm going to tell you why, because I know you guys are never going to play it. Now, this is available on uh, current Xbox consoles and PC. So, spoiler alert, if you fancy playing this uh, coming up to 20-year-old game, I don't think you ever will. So, let me set the scene for you. This is this not too lengthy, but let me set the scene. So, following it, the whole game follows the plot of the films, not the books, the films. So, a newly created party of Bethor, the Gondorian, Idriel, the Elf of Lorien, Elagost, the Ranger, and Hadhod, the Dwarf. So, they're all very similar to a fellowship we know and love, minus a few hobbits and a wizard. So, they are tasked by Gandalf the Grey. To basically follow the fellowship from the film, <laughs> ten paces behind them. So the reason being, so this game can then use scenes from the film and use that as its cutscenes. <laughs> but you never see these characters in any of these CGI moments. So basically, you're tasked with following the fellowship from Rivendell to Rohan. Um, and you go through basically all the scenes of the film, but after the fellowship have seen them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So... Like one of the first big set pieces is, you know, on Fellowship of the Ring where they fight the Watcher in the water with the tentacles and stuff like that. And then they escape into the mines. You then turn up just as they've, they've just as it collapses in the mines. Oh, no, we've got to fight this squid now. We've got to fucking finish it off because it's the best thing for Middle Earth if we do this. And then, oh, there's You're another the way. So all that shit. Yeah, they're the B team, the cleanup crew. All that shit that Gandalf did to try and get in, speak, friend, and enter. Mello. Um, when he did that, there's actually another way in, so don't worry about it, Gandalf. There's another way, just further down the road. But yeah, so... Didn't follow the signpost. Didn't follow the signpost. And then, oh, it gets fucking worse. Get ready. So, then, do you know how Gandalf's fighting the, the Balrog of Morgoth? You shall not pass! Do you know that blinding flashlight that he does? He stops time for an instant. So Gandalf can then talk to the party and you and Gandalf can fight the Balrog <laughs> <sighs> while everything else is paused. And Gandalf says, I'm going to I'm gonna follow it into the depths and blah, blah, fucking blah. Where do they so go? Eventually, you couldn't see him because of the blinding flash. <laughs> thing. Yeah, but after the flash and he jumped off and Frodo's and looking down, Gandalf. Yeah, the bridge collapses. The party actually go a different way out because there's another way out, guys. Of course. Silly me. Of course. There's a back door to the back door. Yeah. So eventually you get to Rowan after 25 hours of RPG um, get ready, Stig. Um, turn-based battles that um, random. Ooh, you love a random battle, don't you? Oh, God, it's fucked up. You get to Rowan. And recruit the final party member, Morwen, and she's like a battle maiden. So there you go, you've got your four characters. Now, nothing is out of the ordinary with random turn-based battles across dull, unchanged lands due to not being allowed to deviate from the plot too much. So you're always, like I said, one step behind the plot. Um, however, the game leads to Helm's Deep, which you've, this has got to be a good moment, hasn't it? 35 hours in, hell, we're at Helm's Deep, finally. Um, where the first plot twist happens. Oh my god, it's a plot twist to end all plot twists. It occurs when Bethafor, the main character, finds out he's a spy of Saruman all along. I didn't know. And he was cursed. Basically, Saruman told him to go and get the ring. Now, 
how does Betherfall get out of this curse? He stares up into the wind and says, Your curse is broken! And it is broken. <laughs> top, top quality writing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's it. He gets out of that curse. And then on to Gondor for the, the Battle of Pelennor Fields. It is now revealed, and I have not typed the same thing. It's now revealed that Berifor, the main character, is actually a spy of the Witch King of Angmar, and he is in a curse. Berifor then shouts into the air, Your curse is broken! And it is broken. <laughs> that happens twice <laughs> in ten hours. <laughs> well, he, he, knew, he knew how to do it. He saw the other guy do it. Exactly. He knew how yeah. to do it. He knew how to do it. Then you fight the Witch King. Do you know how... Um, What's what's the name that kills the the witch king in oh, yeah. um, Return of the King? Merowyn. I am no man. Is it Merowyn? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no, it's not. It's what's something name? like. Oh, it gives me the A, doesn't it? Actually, I yeah. Arwen. Arwen. Yeah. We'll get some. We'll get yeah. some flack for this, won't we? <laughs> oh God, Angela. Oh, coming at us. Um, when she she crumples him and he, he just forms into dust, doesn't he? Or crumples up and stuff. She kills him. Oh, he resurrects. Does. When the, the main characters aren't looking, so you have to kill him. You have to kill him. Um, the witch king uh, then basically tells you a secret. Marwen, the last character you recruited twenty five hours ago, turns out. Guess what? She's the main character's wife, and they don't recognize each other. What? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let that soak in. Let that soak in as the third plot twist. They don't. They don't recognize each other, and then. As soon as he says that, they go, you are my wife. How did I not know? They don't wear it. They've not got helmets on or anything like that. They look exactly the same. They've not got in... Um, what's the thing with the, with the memory? They're not, they haven't got that. Amnesia. They, yeah, they haven't got amnesia. Clearly, they're just cursed, and they just got to shout into the air. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they are cursed. <laughs> so the only... It turns out they are cursed, and the only way to shout out this curse is... We are not cursed. We break your curse. And it's broken and they love each other. But there's a plot twist. The Witch King stabs Marwen and kills her. No, my wife that I didn't know about five minutes ago is dead. <laughs> no. But guess what? Aragorn turns up. And you know what he does? His known power. He uses his kingly power that he's got that everyone knows about to resurrect her. You know that kingly power that he's got? In the books and in the in the films, no. I mean, he could have used on Frodo instead of Frodo going off and dying. That he could have used on everybody, mate. He could have used on Boromir, someone that would, you know, that needed it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no. So that happens, and then the credits don't roll because something happens. Everyone's won. Do you know how Aragorn does the? um, He's got the ghost army. He kills the elephants. Yay, we have to storm the Black Gates. No, no, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. They rewrite the script. The party is randomly, randomly teleported to the top of the Tower of Orthanc or wherever Sauron's tower is, you know where his eyeball is? And they have to fight the final boss, the Eye of Sauron itself. Wow. So you kill... Do you know what it turns out? It turns out, do you know, Gandalf's plan all along was for Frodo to throw the ring into the fire of Mount Doom as a distraction so they could kill the eye, really? <laughs> with their swords. I hope they got with them before the, the tower collapsed. This is the thing. So you kill him, the the eye, bleh, everything, the ring goes into the fire. You've got the final strike, the tower collapses. 
and the game ends. Um, there is no credits. The game ends and sends you straight back to the title <laughs> screen. <laughs> and that is Lord of the Rings of Third Age. I was waiting decades for this type of game, and it came. So it wasn't worth the wait. Now, it's, it's such a shame because the actual fighting's good. It's the You just can't escape that weird fucked up plot. Like there's a moment, there's a bit in the game where I didn't even mention this. Uh, Do you know Grima Wormtongue? Yeah. Guess what? He's cursed. Oh. By Sauron. Of course. He he joins your party by getting out of the curse that Sauron did by telling him that he's not cursed anymore. And you get him in your party for a little bit. You get little you get little um, guest characters like Gimli turns up. Do you know the bit when you we have a cave troll? Gimli's not there actually. He's fighting with your party outside for a little bit. Please tell me that there was a sequel called The Fourth Age where there was a backup backup party that followed the second party just behind them. (laughs) I know, it's just bollocks. (laughs) I mean, the fucked up thing is, the fucked up thing is, this game was created by Visceral and they make good games. I did. (laughs) Well, it was worth it for your uh, description and your retelling of it. they also adapted it on Game Boy Advance and basically ripped off Fire Emblem. So again, <laughs> they need to stop. They needed to stop doing that. So I, I waited ten years for for this um, for a really good Lord of the Rings game to come out, but it never happened. So I had to wait another ten years for Shadow of Mordor because that was worth the wait. Shadow of Mordor, but did you never play Return been... the King or Two Towers? I did, but They're incredible. They were good brawlers, weren't they? The good brawlers, yeah. but did not. Like role playing games, other that's what I was waiting for, like a good role playing game. And oh, okay, god, the third age I, it's it's fun for people to play just to it's actually better to watch YouTube for all the plot twists because it's hilarious. I'm not even giving them justice because the, the, they're all actually really well um voiced by really good actors and stuff like that. Like, like Aragon is played by Vigo Mortensen and he's done additional lines than he would in you know in the films and stuff. It's just fucking. <laughs> It's fucking mental. <laughs> it's actually mental. And it's like based on the film. If it wasn't based on the films, you can kind of do weirder things with it, can't you? Like Shadow of, Shadow of Mordor, is, that's not canon, is it, at all? You know what I mean? It's mm. But it, it's a good fucking take on the actual tale. Yeah. But fuck me. There is the scene, obviously, where Gollum becomes part of your party. And Gollum's <laughs> obviously cursed. We know this. Uh, he's cursed by the ring, though, this time. But fuck me. I, it was not worth it. And if you're interested in any of that bad shit, play Third Age. I think it's like three quid on Xbox. Get it downloaded. Get it played. It's it was just, 50 hours long, guys. It just shows that Gandalf's oh, yeah. a bit of a Give dick. A miss, thanks. The way that he treats people. <laughs> yeah. He, he basically sent Sam and Frodo off as distractions. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so Berifar and his little team could actually really kill the... But, the fuck mo- the most annoying thing is, is there's no credits because the credits you can just view the credits on the title screen and the game just ends you know with that scene where the actual tower does crumble and Gandalf and Aragorn looking up going they go yes and then it fades to black and they're like better for so it's as if they're all cheering for better for <laughs> yeah he, ne- he, he never actually just, said for Frodo did he I think we, we all misheard that <laughs> yeah exactly it, but it, it has to cut to black for him to shout it's fucking ah, oh, and it just it doesn't do anything. There's no new game plus or anything like that. It just 
stick to title screen for a new game again. <laughs> Play it all again. It's fucking EA were fucking crackers back then with that game like that that film license, weren't they? They're fucking they were just throwing everything to fucking wall to see if it sticks. Oh god, it's so bad. Get what it were played? the uh, reviews Highly for that when it came out in the end? <laughs> Negative. It's about seventy four on Metacritic. Yeah. Critics were different back then. <laughs> They'd let anything fly, weren't they? <laughs> but yeah, that's mine. Was it worth it? You. Not for me. Again, it's probably someone's all-time favourite game. Amazing. Don't know why. Okay, then. So um, over to Candy. Oh, um, so mine is, and Stiggy can probably help me with this one, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a spin-off of the Harry Potter series in the Greater Wizarding World set in the 1920s. Um, the screenplay was actually written by uh, J.K. Rowling, um, but it wasn't a book or a series of books first. It was literally just written straight for film. It follows the story of the rise of Grindelwald, cons- uh, who was considered the most evil wizard prior to Voldemort, um, and his intentions were to ex- ex- exterminate or enslave the muggles, basically. Um, and the the link to Harry Potter is that the title of the of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them comes from a textbook from the first Harry Potter book, and it's written by Newt Scamander, who's the main character of the series. Although he doesn't actually seem to have a massive role to play in what happens. Um, so does it add anything to the Harry Potter franchise? In my opinion, no. Um, I think had it been written as a series of books, potentially it could have been a valuable part of Wizarding World lore, but I mean, there's no denying that J.K. Rowling wrote an incredible series of books in Harry Potter. Um, so she is a good author, but she just hasn't reached that standard with her screenwriting or the skills don't transfer particularly well. In fact, I think for like the, the first film, it was just her writing it. The second film, they brought in um, additional screenwriters to help. Didn't help. Um, has she just, when it comes to books, has she just done the Harry Potter ones or is there more to the Harry Potter ones after the last there's... one? There's... I mean, she's she's written books under uh, nothing to do with Harry Potter under a different author's name, Robert Galbraith. But I don't yeah. think she's written. I mean, she may have actually written Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, but as the actual textbook. I think yeah, there was she a lot, has. Right. There was a lot that, released on Pottermore, wasn't there? Yeah, on the website. The, she's done like um, those and like Quidditch books and stuff, kind of like side textbooks and stuff. That mm. don't, don't really yeah, add anything like, to the like, story. Like Tol- Tolkien did with he did that with a lot of isn't yeah, but it adds a bit of, of law to creatures and games and yeah, the Silmarillion, world. Silmarillion, yeah. that's, that's one. Yeah, I mean there are mo- sort of moments of magic throughout the series that you can tell are unmistakably came from her mind, but the overall story. <laughs> the overall story, it's it's just isn't there, and what is there just isn't interesting. Um, there is quite a large cast, many of who are completely forgettable. And again, well, it's more, more the point is that intentions aren't actually clear. Um, and where in a book you'd have time to explain them or fully flesh out their characters and motives, you're just limited by the times, um, by, a, by the time of the film, basically. And most of what occurred with Grindelwald was already covered in the Harry Potter books anyway. Um, so we know that Dumbledore and Grindelwald were in love. Oh, actually... That came out later. It was insinuated in the books that they were um, they were together, but it was never actually said. And then she said um, after the books came out that yes, they were a couple. Um, but w- 
We know that they had a fight when Dumbledore realised the extent of Grindelwald's intentions. We already know that as a result, Ariana, Dumbledore's sister, was killed in the incident. Um, do we? Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. If you read the books, you do, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is not much this is in the film, but... That's that's what I mean. It's... I, haven't seen the, I haven't seen the last Harry Potter film. Well, you should. Um, Stiggy hasn't read the books, according to the Mastermind quiz. Shit, <laughs> shit questions. But, but yeah, like, like um, Stig said... <laughs> Fantastic Beast is kind of set after all of this happens. So we're sort of stuck in a kind of no man's land of a time period. And the story is essentially a story of politics. There's even one line in the last film that mirrors the Brexit situation exactly. Like it's assumed that by higher powers that no one would vote for um, Grindelwald. However, they decide to put the vote in so people feel like they Ma- had the Magic great here. again. <laughs> That's anyway, pretty sure much Grindelwald. That's pretty much what Grindelwald wants to do. Is that what he wanted? Yeah, yeah basically. He wants, yeah. Wants to wipe out Grindelwald. Wants to wipe out Muggles. Grindeltrump, did you say? I'm a Muggle. That's not. You're that's a sex not Muggle. Fucking on. <laughs> a sex Muggle. Oh God. But yeah, they they've just decided to take on a part of Wizarding history that's just it's just boring as mud, and always with prequels as well. You it suffers. From like any Harry Potter fan, you know the outcome. You know what's going to happen to all the characters, and it hasn't helped. I mean, the films as well. It hasn't really helped that Grindelwald's now been played by three different actors, like Johnny Depp. Obviously, what got sacked famously for accusations about what was happening in his personal life, and the handful of is Johnny Depp were in it. Yeah, he was Grindelwald. He was the Grindelwald out of the Grindelwald saga. Um. And yeah, a handful of um, who else actors. played it? Um, so the first one was um, oh god, what's his name? Technically, Johnny. Uh, t- technically, it was Johnny Depp, but disguised as Colin Farrell. So he wasn't. Why play- was that? I, I don't even understand. Why that he wasn't was playing thing. Grindelwald. He was playing someone else. Grindelwald Bones, was disguised. Wasn't it? Yeah, Grindelwald was dis- d- disguised himself as someone else. That wasn't his true form. No. And then, it, and then he transformed right. into Johnny Depp at the end of the first film. Then he played him in the second the film. Fuck? Then he got sacked and they brought in Mad Mickelson, who is better, who would have mm-hmm. been better if they just put him from the start. I can't <laughs> understand why they didn't, because he's he's perfectly cast for Grindelwald. He didn't yeah. have the accent. Um I think he just wasn't interested in playing him at the time, was he? I think that's I think that was the case. But he I mean a few more dump trucks and money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's what I mean, it's just such an obvious cash grab. Like, uh, How many Grindel films is there then? Well, at the moment, there's three Grindel films, um, <laughs> and I don't know what they're called. I've not even. I, I know they exist, but barely. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think. I Grindle mean, films. Uh, Stig, have you seen the last film? I've seen all three. Yeah. So I. I mean, I think you love some. It. It could potentially end here. I. I thought the original plan was to make five. It is. Is this, Is that still happening? Probably not. Yeah, are they making no. money? No, well, well I mean, losing. yeah, they are. Yes, but... but less and less each time. Like my kids absolutely love Harry Potter films. They don't know these films exist. Nah, Amelia doesn't care. She watched. I think she watched is... the first one and then didn't, wasn't bothered about the second one. There's there because there's no Harry in it. Yeah, who gives a fuck? And they're so weirdly paced as well. Like the first one, kind of ticks along at the kind of rate you would think. The second one. There's a whole load of shit that's dumped in there. And then the third one's quite slow again. So it's it's kind of hard to keep up. Like, there was a lot of different plots going on in the second film, none of which really go anywhere interesting. Hang on. Is this the one... 
might be wrong here. I might get laughed out of the room. Is this the one with Jude Law as Dumbledore? Yeah. He's good Dumbledore, though, to be fair. No, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I remember seeing pictures of him as Dumbledore, like a young, <laughs> Jungledore. Dumble Daddy. <laughs> Dumble Daddy. <laughs> they just, they just fuck around with things too much. Like, like, for some reason, despite the fact that she was at Hogwarts, like, at this time as a child, now Minerva McGonagall's a teacher. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. I yeah, that's right. An old witch in the films, but in the books, like, Canonically, she's born around the like at the school at this time. Like, when's so this she, set? When's this set? The, 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 19, the latest 20, one is nineteen twenty-seven. I looked it up, and Minerva McGonagall's so, about. When is Harry Potter set? Nineties, mid nineties. Actually, I think she was born in this. Yeah, but McGonagall's meant to be born in the thirties or somewhere around there. I think. Like, it's yeah. So why is she in well, it? Exactly. It's it's law breaking as well. <laughs> yeah. And there's all this focus on you know you you can't repress your magic as a child because you'll become become an obscurial. Or whatever it is, it is an obscure. That's that's what? that's true. Though. That's what happened to his sister. I know that's what happened to the sister, but they had no, you know, if if a if a student got kicked out of Hogwarts, they'd they'd snap their wand, <laughs> you know, and they couldn't do magic. You're following anymore. this, Biggie, you following it, mate. I'm not seeing any. <laughs> no, I've seen half of Harry it's, Potter one. That's it. I don't. I I don't <laughs> see a problem with them trying to do extended Wizarding World films. It makes sense. Harry Potter's finished. Why don't they just do older Harry Potter? Don't because... tempt them. <laughs> That's that'll come when they're out of age. Just... They are anyway. though. They're getting really close. Yeah, they are. Um, but and yeah, this kind of does make sense. But you've got to make a decision on what your film wants to be. Is it a Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them film? If it is, right, it should be a kind of uh, Indiana Jones romp film with Newt Scamander. Traveling around the world, battling against a bad guy, trying with mm. all these, you know, creatures, weird I'm creatures, and going to you know locations around the world. That's what it's either that, or it's the Dumbledore Grindelwald story, which is perfectly fine, and you can tell that. But, but a different thing. But it doesn't need to mix them both, and it doesn't need to be a geo geopolitical drama. Right. It's meant to be a kids done, film. Do you think they've done this? They might have done this because the first one didn't. Great bank. You know what I mean, it, the first one didn't catch on. So, right, no one's bothered about Newt Scaramanga. Let's fucking let's get on with let's get on with um, Double Dumbledore. Possibly. God, it's fucking difficult. But but you get what I'm saying, yeah. don't, don't you? But, but why did they just? People like Dumbledore. They like. I mean, I think that the, the first one did do pretty well, and they've just kind of declined in terms of like box office takings. That it's just got worse and worse. No, but the first one does. No, but the first one ends with Grindelwald being captured and revealed. So they clearly had a plan that they wanted to use Grindelwald going forward. It wasn't like it was a self-contained film. And then they go, oh, hang on, let's tack this on. They obviously had a plan. It's just a shit plan. Mm. There's a thing, and this might be me nitpicking because I've never watched him, but like the Harry Potter films and books are called Harry Potter and something, something. This is called Fantastical Beasts and Where to Find Them. them, Yeah, and it's not about Fantastic Beasts. No, but and then there they was like a subtitle after that as well. So the most recent one was um, the Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, so Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them: The Secrets of Dumbledore is too fucking long for a kid yeah, to go and see. Yeah, the previous that. It's one too fucking was long. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them: The Crimes of Grindelwald. I can't it's too. It's too long. Called. It's too long a title. That's why that's not selling. They should call it 
Fantastic Beasts. One. one. Fantastic <laughs> not, Beasts. Not only that, Two. there wasn't really many crimes of Grindelwald in the film. Really no, do. not really. There you go. Or Fantastic oh. Beasts. No, he kills a baby. <laughs> what I'd That's do if it. I was making it, and I'm not, and I'm not good at making things, I'd be like, like a bit like Stig says, it's got Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. The first 20 minutes of the first one, he goes to Peru, he finds a Fantastic Beast. Next one, he's off to Germany, he finds another Fantastic Beast. Like he's basically Pokemon in the whole yeah. thing. It, it should have been getting them all. basically the adventures of the adventures of his textbook. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is I've written my adventures down in this textbook. Here are they here are, here they yeah. are on screen. That's what or they should have made. They could have done it. They could have Or called the series they crazy. If they wanted more. to like get the kids into it as well, they could have had the opening the opening beginning of the first film and the end and, and as Harry Potter is reading it to his son, this is my favourite book, this Harold, or whatever he calls his son. It, this is my favourite book. It's called Fantastic Beasts. And then you've got Daniel Radcliffe at the beginning. You can put him on a poster and then fuck him off for a stupid <laughs> film and then bring him back to end. And that's that book. Next time on the next next film, we'll continue this story. Yeah. That's how they should have done it. Like Princess Bride. Mm. Fucking, I've nailed I it. Also think, He's a call, I, also, I also think that Eddie Redmayne's character knew it's just shit. It's just a really awkward a shame, social outcast. And it's just not the kind of person you want to watch going and romping adventures. Yeah, like, I mean, let me guess, he's super nerdy as well. Oh yeah, yeah, super just nerdy, really awkward. Awkward. He's got bumbling. a name. He's got a name like a nerd. Nerd Scaramanga. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Fucking nerd. Was it worth it, Candy? Absolutely not. Was it needed? No. Brilliant. So I am looking forward to this one. <laughs> judging by uh, unless Stiggy's changed his mind on this topic, so go for it, Stiggy. I haven't changed my mind. I, unlike you, negative Nancys, I'm uh, actually going to be positive. Third age is worth playing. Just for I'm laugh. actually going to be positive about mine and say that it was needed. Uh, so I want to talk about The Last of Us Two. Yeah, a game that came out two years ago, sequel to 2013's The Last of Us, which ended perfectly. And when this was announced, I think it's got best. My best game ending ever, that. When this game was announced, so many people said, what's the point? Their story was perfect. It ended. It didn't need it. It didn't need... We didn't need more. What's the point in doing mm-hmm. this? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to make this work? It's going to be shit. All wrong, in my opinion, because it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Now, what you may think yeah. about the like the gameplays of these games, mm-hmm. I know a lot of some people have their issues with how the game actually plays and some of the repetitiveness yeah. of stuff. I'm not really going to talk about that. Cause personally, I kind of like those games. I like third person, like games like that, but it's narratively speaking. I want to talk about because. So we put a little spoiler one in here. Yeah. I'm going to put a spoiler one in when I do the edit, I'm going to put a, I'll yeah. let people know because it's one of those games that I respect the spoilers and I respect. That Absolutely. It's only been two years and some people haven't got around to playing this. We've all played it here, haven't we? I haven't, but I don't mind it being spoiled. I, well, no, that's not true. Oh, I played yeah. the first, Ooh. I played maybe three, four hours. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why oh, you, in a minute. Yeah, okay. Okay. But you, you've played it, Biggie, haven't you? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah, and you have, yeah. I know you are. I played everything. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Stig here in the edit. I'm about to talk about The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, and there is going to be a lot of spoilerific chat around both those games, specifically The Last of Us 2. 
So if you haven't played those and you want to, then skip ahead about 14 minutes. You have been warned. First game ends with um, Joel breaking Ellie out of the hospital and after it was revealed that in order for them to get the antidote basically from her blood, she's going to die. Joel, having spent this time with Ellie, has become so attached to her after losing his daughter, he doesn't want to lose another daughter, breaks her out of the hospital while killing a lot of the fireflies and at the end lies to her. And you are given this moment, this look from her, and you it's left to you as the audience. Does she does she believe him or doesn't she? Does she know? You yeah. don't know. Yeah. The look is kind of ambiguous. It could mean either. And that's the end. And it's beautiful and perfect. And then to and yeah, the intro to that game and the ending are just perfect. Yes. Mm. Spellbinding, aren't yeah. they? So when it comes to a second one, well, what the fuck can they do? Like they're just gonna ruin the story, they're gonna ruin that beautiful ending. And for me, they don't. And you start this game with in the first few hours, Joel's killed by the fireflies. <laughs> what? For, t- oh, for, for revenge on what he did in the hospital. And you then take, yeah, you then take on the mantle as Ellie, and that becomes her revenge mission to get revenge on the people who killed Joel. And yeah. the game. It does everything to make you side with Ellie. You just fucking are you bastards as if you've just killed him. Like the the way he's killed is brutal. Um, I believe this is Candy the reason you turned it off. Mm. It's not just brutal, it's fast. Yeah. Without any swan song. Mm. And that's the sh- it sh- it shakes it, I, I was right. physically shook. Yeah, he doesn't go out in a gunfight and a battle. He's nope. just not a heroic his... end, nothing. No, not at all. One round of golf, that's all it took. <laughs> oh. And uh, what? why did that stop you playing the game? It, it To me, it was just too... So you don't want to play as a woman. <laughs> exactly. No, it's just too gratuitous. It it just... Because I did... I, it was, that wasn't the moment that I stopped playing. I carried on playing for about an hour and a half. Two hours after yeah, that. Yeah, that's an hour. That, that's about two hours mm-hmm. in. Yeah, and I got to the. I did the bit. You know, you get on the horse and then you start to break into the city walls. So I got to about there, and I just couldn't get. I couldn't get over it. Like I know Joel's not a good. He's not a good person, but he's not a bad person either. He's just a person, and it's forty, fifty hours of building up a relationship with this person in the first game, and growing to love them. And it's just. It's. It's too, it was too real. It was too visceral. It was too like shocking to me to yeah. be able to get over that hump. And I just I I I I think it's the single most bravest thing game devs have done. Ever. I agree, and I, I do wish I, I could get I think over it's it. Super brave. Yeah, it, it was a, it was such. It, I think it needed. I it did need to happen. It did need to happen in the way it did. But I personally just could not get over it. And I'm sure there's probably other players. And that's not to say that's a bad thing they've obviously done what they intended to do well and it is going to put some players off the way you've reasoned it is not how like <laughs> twitter militants reasoned it they reasoned it like i like to play as a man oh i can't believe that she's so strong oh i can't this yeah. that this that they were it's just bollocks they, they've, they've took my man away from well, you're not yeah. playing as a man that's, that's that's a collection of pixels. <laughs> Technically. yeah that's the shit i hate the way you've explained it there is it was too much for me to mm. handle. It's perfect. 
I reckon they want people to have that. For me, it was that relationship that we came to love from the first game is what drives Ellie in the second one. It's because of that exact love for this sort of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, a father figure, a, a kind of like a stepdad, whatever you want to call that relationship that she has with Joel. That's what drives you through um, The Last of Us Part 2. That's, that's what drives you through that story. And it just shows how fucking brutal the human nature is when it comes down to it at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. But at the same time, you have seen the, the bad things that Joel did, have, has done. You, you can accept why it's happened, and yet still, it was too much. But that's the point, and that's what this game does perfectly, is we played as Joel. We, you kill a fuck ton of people. You literally go through that hospital and mow down everyone in your way to get out at the end. He, Joel is a... He's got like a 300-person death count. And he does that knowing that he has sentenced mankind, women, children to death. Because, yeah, he has the cure here, but he just can't let it go. Yep. Joel is not a good person, yep. but because we play it, Selfish we act. play as him and he's the hero in our story in the first game, we don't see it like that. So then when he's killed, again, like Biggie says, the story drives you on as Ellie. You are driven on for the next... Oh, it mm. must be about 20 hours. It's the game. 20, 30 hours. How long's the game in general? It's about 25, 30 altogether, isn't it? Took me... Um... Yeah, so you probably time. play about fifteen hours at least as Ellie, and with it, yeah. and you are constantly chasing the fireflies down, and you do bad things. You kill a pregnant woman, and as you as a player, you're yeah. like, "Fuck, that's like shit. That's awful." Yeah. But then you also kind of feel like, "But she was one of the people that killed Joel." <laughs> oh, it's like, <laughs> is it worth that sacrifice? It's a grey area, isn't it? Like you, you kind of think, "Well, fuck me, that's a pregnant woman," but also she's a baddie. Then the game flips you on like big oh, that's time. Genius. And you then genius. play as Abby, who is the person who killed Joel. And yep. you then start that part. You get to a point where they meet halfway and then you start her journey. And you then see that she lives in a community with children and schools. They're not buddies. Not buddies. These are just other people trying to get on with their lives, just like Joel, Joel's community is. I'd almost go as far to say as. They are nice people. Yeah, they are the goodies. They are nice people. They are they are kind of militarized. Some of them. Joel's not. A not goodie. all of them are nice, but there are people within that community <laughs> no. that are nice. And all she knows yeah. is that this man came into our community after we invited him in, killed Destroyed my it. dad, killed my friends, and a lot of people I love. And she wants revenge. And when you start that, and stop the world from surviving. Yeah. <laughs> and when you start that section, you very much are like, I don't want to fucking play as, as her. This is manipulation. Why are you fucking playing me as her? I want to kill this woman. I want to kill all them. I don't care about this. And then you gradually start to play as Abby, and you see oh, everything you through. Get to throw ball for the dog. You get to see everything through her eyes, <laughs> and see what's happening from her side. And then you start to look at it and go, Is Ellie the bad guy here? Yeah, because they all whisper like she's a ghost, yeah. like she's a silent assassin. And the moment where Ellie kills the pregnant woman, oh. when you see that from Abby's side, so you go to that area and you're like, fuck, I know this area. There's blood everywhere. I know what's coming. And sure enough, on that side, Abby, you walk around and fuck, there's her friends, her ex-lover, her friend who is pregnant, yep. dead. Like, from her side, that's horrific. And this game just completely flipped me. By the end of this, I 
wanted to kill Elliot. I, you, you, when you have that battle in the theater, you have a fight with her in the theater, and I wanted to kill Elliot. I wanted Abby to win and Elliot died because of what this game does narratively. The way it flips you to see it from the other side is so brave that the first off killing Joel was brave, then flipping you to the other side to show them. And I think narratively and story, it's just so well written and so good. And even at the end, they eventually just part ways. And at the end, you have an epilogue where you... Yeah, it's over for years, isn't it? Like a year or so. You have an epilogue where you play as Ellie and she can't let it go. She can't let the fact that it go that this yeah. I didn't get my revenge. She sleep and yeah. stuff, does she? So she goes after her for one, one last time and she eventually finds her. And again, she finds Abby in such a state where she's she's been she's basically been left out yeah. crucified, hasn't she, by these people Starved. to starve to death and be picked apart by the crows. Yeah. And she's so skinny yeah. and gone. And they have this fight, and you, and you genuinely are fighting as Elliot, and you you've been forced to do these but press these buttons, to, to and you're like, I don't want to do this. Is there any way I can stop doing this? Because I don't want to do yeah. that. And I just think it doesn't give you that choice, does no. it? No. Uh, and I just think that it's just absolutely fantastic that they were able to take you from loving two characters that you played with in The Last of Us 1, seeing what happened to them, seeing his brutal murder, and being all in on this revenge mission, like, fuck you, I'm going to kill them, I'm going to kill, like, I'm going to, I can't wait to get on my horse. It's like Kill Bill, isn't it? Yeah, go off with Ellie and, and kill them all, like, and then for that to completely flip, and you just end up siding with the other side. It's just, it's fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible. I flipped back and forth because... You also have to remember Ellie is oblivious to how the world was before everything had happened to it. It was born in... Yeah, but just so in the sense Abby. of how you got to know um, Ellie in the first game, that this whole wonder that she had of Joel showing her what the telling her what the world was like, and she learns everything new about what record player is and what these posters mean. And, you know, it, it's her discovery of the world that we know in the first game. And... That flip in the second game, oh, back and even forth, like the back second and forth. Game. And yeah, there's some great scenes with Joel in the flashbacks and that are fantastic. And I mm. just kept flipping my, my emotions for both characters. I was for Ellie against Ellie, for Abby, hated Abby. I was just back and forth throughout that game. Just really didn't know who I was siding for. I was different because I, I, did, I didn't, like, I I didn't did. like Joel while I was playing him in the first game. I thought he was a bastard from the off. Obviously, I hate what happened to him in the prologue of the first game. It's awful. What an awful thing to go through. And from that moment on, I think after that, he's the baddie there. Mm. He is the baddie. He's nearly always the instigator That's in what the first game. Yeah. Of any situation they walk into, he was doing, nearly always Remember, him. at the beginning, he was, he, was, he was talking about they were doing human trafficking and stuff like that. They were mm. doing all sorts of horrible, heinous things. Because, Yet you still, because he almost redeemed him. himself no, until nearly at the end. Yeah, it's the protection that daughter relationship that he has with Ellie that it's yes, but you've got to remember it's, it's from his viewpoint. So you're that playing that you're playing that character, so to him Absolutely his task now yeah. in this awful world is to protect this girl at all costs because it's like his daughter. You know, he couldn't do it with his original daughter, so now he's doing it for his new daughter, if mm. you want to call it that. So that is in his viewpoint. He wants to protect her. And when he has that awful yeah. decision to make You'll see that just it. through his eyes. So then when you see the world from Abby's eyes, you're sympathising with her, what she has been through her life, losing her father. For... But that's what I mean. To me, I just flipped back and forth. I saw both sides of the story, and that's why I found it really hard. 
to play that game because I, I just didn't know mm -hmm. who I sided for, even at the end. Because um, what, Ab what uh, Ellie loses as well, it's revealed at the end, is, you know, just heartbreaking yeah. as well. Especially the fucking fingers. <laughs> yeah. That's why, but that's why in the end, when you're, you're playing as Ellie and um, they're doing that final thing going, don't want to do this, don't want to do this. Because yeah. Abby's let it go. She it she go. agreed go, like this is like they both agreed to part ways and Ellie cannot let it go and she ends up just being the villain in her own story. Yeah, I think it what like when Neil Druckmann says um, <clears throat> it's a commentary on what they did as developers as well. Like there were a lot of people there were, there were that chatter about how in um, Uncharted that Nathan Drake just kills thousands of people without any repercussions. This mm. game is that commentary on those repercussions. Yeah, big time. When you kill hundreds of mm -hmm. people, it fucking bites you in the ass. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's fucking genius. Yeah. It's 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 like a magical thing that narrators and storytellers don't do. They don't upset the fan base. And Druckmann's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling the story that needs to be told. And I, I kind of love that there's a... It sounds horrible, but I kind of love that there's a toxic group of people that are saying, I can't play this game to ruin my game. I'm going back to Gears of War. Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I like that he's done that because he's done it fucking deliberately and it's fucking genius. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, some people can't play it because it's, it's not an easy game. Some people don't like killing games and stuff like that, but I think it's so important, Stig. You're right bringing this up. Yeah, so it was like, again, was it needed? Um, did it work? Yeah, it was. People complained, said it, it didn't need, did. said he didn't need it. They had an idea and a plan, and it and it absolutely fucking nailed it. And it's just an outstanding game. It's stunning. Yeah. It's, in my, it's in my top ten that sequel. I think it's way better than the first. Do you go back to it now, Candy? Just for the themes. Mm -hmm. was, do you know what? I was thinking about that as you were talking. I just don't think I can. I just don't think I can. I just spoil it. All I mean, I, anyway. I want to. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> It is a tough pill to swallow because it's it came out came out the wrong time. The pandemic. Yeah. Do you know what? I wonder if that's what the yeah. problem was with me. I, I wonder if we. Of course, it, that's nothing wrong with yeah, that. There's I went, nothing wrong with not being able to play. I it. wonder if 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 I did go back to it now, it being in a bit. It's a also. Situation. I mean, we haven't mentioned it was. It's a fucking horror game. It's fucking frightening. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes you don't want that. You don't want that in life. And. The second one more than the first yeah. one. There's more humans in the second one that you have to kill, isn't there? Rather than creatures and stuff. Because these creatures are starving. They're dying out. But I think real horror is man was the the, the real villain. I think that's so frightening. Oh, it's, oh, it's fucking genius. Well worth it. I think we've covered it. And that's it. That's everybody, yeah. is it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well done. Good topic, that biggie. <laughs> I'm glad you fought that up all on your own. <laughs> and now it's time for the mailbag. But I don't know who's doing it this week. Who's, who's going to do it? I can do it. You I can, can do I it. I can try. <laughs> Is it oh, It's quite a lot, actually. So and some long ones as well. You know how good I... Stig loves reading stuff out as well. He doesn't take many ghosts for him to do One it. One take Stig, that's so what they call me. What they call you? What? <laughs> to, be, to be fair... I'm doing any. I'm, I'm editing it, so I'll make it one take. <laughs> what i do on the uh, mcu shows <laughs> one take it sometimes he says things that i never heard because i weren't there when he said it <laughs> he just puts it in at the end 
Those, those breakdown synopsis. I'm sure he's got clips of me going, yeah, that's a really poignant thing, that stick. Yeah, absolutely. I've never said it, ever. It just puts I me in it. I completely disagree with what you were saying. The power of the editor. <laughs> absolutely. First up is Xenos. He says, don't remind me, just side-eyeing the Hobbit films hard enough to strain a muscle. Since you know the prequels to Lord <laughs> of the Rings, even if the books did come out before the Lord of the Ring books, God, what were they doing with these? All they had to do was stick to the damn book. The book's fine. They just threw in a load of random extra plot threads to pad it out to three films when it meant to be two originally, including an extra villain who couldn't have any influence on the plot because it still had to hit the bits that actually mattered. A love interest that had no reason to exist and bloody Legolas, who's not even in the Hobbit books, <laughs> making like Mario-like platforming off a load of falling blocks. And to top it all off, the production actively messing with New Zealand's labour laws so they could get it made and kind of blackmailing the government. So I did not know that. Didn't know any of this. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there were a lot of shite come from that. Oh dear. Which is probably... It's a fucking... Yeah, which was probably not how people are expecting me to end that last paragraph, but it's true. I would recommend Lindsay Ellis' YouTube documentary, The Hobbit, a long-expected autopsy to anyone interested in finding out more. Anyway, in conclusion, they made a horrible hash of a lot of things and made a lot of people very unhappy in the process. Yep. I remember binging all three Lord of the Rings films, one at night after another, before the day I went to go see The Hobbit. I've just been so disappointed with that first film. I never went back to see the other two in the cinema. I loved, absolutely adored the first movies. And I will say I enjoy the Hobbit movies purely because I'm back in that universe again. But they're not very good movies. I do enjoy just being Mm. in that. They did. They They bastardised that universe, though. That's the problem. Mm. Azog, the big pale orc thing from nowhere. With his big hook on his hand and fucking Legolas turned up. Mate, mate, I was furious. I was furious when Legolas turned up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so stupid. Pathetic. Oh. Anyway, Mr. Um, podcast himself, Planty, he's been in touch. Oh. Mr. Podcast Worldwide. <laughs> I'm only going to echo what everyone else says, but my wife Rachel has opinions. She loves all the Harry Potters, but the prequels left her wanting. You're either about catching monsters or you're about Dumbledore as a middle-aged man. But pick a lane. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we just said. Yep. That's fucking... Yeah. That plant has got a point. Yep. Uh, the one I can think of uh, personally is, as you know, I'm a massive fan of The Simpsons. A movie, a film was the right step, but at the wrong time. Imagine if we'd had a film where Hank Scorpio was the main bad guy and not some poorly <gasps> thought out under oh. the dome story without any memorable jokes. Imagine a Hank Scorpio film. That would have been amazing. Oh, the return of Hank Scorpio. So, oh, that would have been so. so it would have been amazing. God. Still, Green Day oh. got melted in industrial waste like the guy in <laughs> Robocop. So it's not all bad. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good bit. <laughs> Next up, uh, Lee Davis as Leroy Franson. Franson. Fran- fucking hell. San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> Close enough. I'll leave that that one. Blade Runner 2049, <laughs> totally worth it. Dare I say, better than the first. Yes, it pro- pro- probably is. Also, see Mad Max Fury Road, better than at least two of the Gibson ones. Agreed on Blade Runner. Um, t- uh, Blade Runner 2 is the best Blade Runner, and Fury Road is the best Ooh, Mad Max film. I don't know, Mad Max yeah, 2. Bang on. Absolutely bang on. Mad Max 2 is incredible, but Fury Road's one of the <laughs> best cool. films ever made. Mm. 
It's fucking insane. Give up. Rose Tinted Biggie. Jack Chalmers Ward from The Sequelizers. He says, the the vast majority of the time, the answer is no. As we found from The Sequelizers, sequels are more often than not a disappointment. There are a few exceptions, but Mm -hmm. most of the long-awaited sequels slash prequels are either underwhelming or out-and-out rubbish. This is true. Yeah, like The Matrix 4 was definitely (laughs) worth it, wasn't it? Oh, yes, that was not needed. Neither was the thing. (laughs) (laughs) You could do a really great Matrix film, but... Mate, there's something there. There is that, something that world's there ripe. For that it, world but... and everything is ripe for a good yeah. Matrix film. It just doesn't have to follow on from them. Some different survivors. Yeah. I have Keanu Reeves in it. He's not the worst thing in it. That's the thing. <laughs> it's not that. It's not him. It's not his fault yeah. for once. It's everything else. At J Seven Zero says Dark Crystal is of Resistance. Absolutely worth it. Oh. I didn't watch that. Is it any good? Super good. I should watch it because me and my daughter watched that crystal and she really liked it. So it's just as frightening. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Uh, Ray's been in touch. He says, "Hi, Modern Escapism. I think some movies of the term of the Terminator series, especially Genesis and Dark Fate, are good examples of prequels or sequels not worth the effort at all. Although it can be argued that most prequels and sequels do not reach the quality of their predecessors, they do, however, add something new to the series." Expanding the universe or uncovering some mysteries, for example, making them at least valuable for nerd discussions. But the two aforementioned mm. films were basically retails of the classic Terminator stories with poorly incorporated fluffs that are not exciting audiences for new experiences. And by ditching familiar old faces, then and by ditching familiar old faces, then relegating the movies as happening in parallel universes, they left fans who seek continuity having little reasons to be interested. I had a lot of fun with the Terminator series, even Salvation and the Sarah Connor, Connor Chronicles. Kind of a shame that we have a yep. franchise that ended with those two installments. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yep. Flawless. Yep. Right. <laughs> um, God, if it was... If I was having trouble reading stuff out before. Here we go. Get ready. cat. Oh, here we go. Oh, not this harlot. All right, I'll use the effing email. She, she did it proper, like a good one. What, this is not from Twitter? She says, only this week, because I'm late and I'm tired. Nino Kuni is my favourite JRPG of all time. Typical Ghibli Japanese cartoon storyline. Little boy loses his mother and gets transported to a world of dragons, witches, and talking fairies. Just with like our scorch sheep pod. Brilliant. Nino Kuni 2 was announced and I could not wait for the sequel. It built on the mechanics of the first one, worked on an entirely new story with new characters and the protagonist is a little boy with cat ears and a tail. And what more could you want? Well, I wanted to platinum this game just to do it justice. But me being a total dick, as the game progressed, I sold all my old armour and weapons to cash to buy other things. Like, I don't know, cute outfits and shit. So I sold some inconspicuous stinky shoes right at the beginning of the game. Lo and behold, at the end of the game, you trade the stinky shoes for a very high item to get you the trophy. I pummeled 100 hours into the game and there was no way I was going to do it again for some stinky shoes. Anyway, Nino Kuni 2, worth the wait and amazing. Nino Kuni, the series 
fucking brilliant. Got great games then. If you like Dragon Quest Eleven, you'll love Nino Kuni. Fucking sensational game. Oh, it's just as good. It's, no, it's not as good actually. The first one's better. Yeah. Next up. Lovely Angry day. Kurt, he says, Hi, Emmy crew. Having just seen the latest film in the franchise, I'm going to say Jurassic Park films from the second film onwards. But you could <laughs> even include that sequel. <laughs> the quality of the films after the first is mixed, and I will say that I quite enjoyed the new one. However, I think they should have stopped with the first and second films. The reason I say is partly due to the mixed quality after those, but also because when we think about it, after the events of the first film, let alone the second, There is no way anyone would want to get involved with dinosaurs ever again. Because of this, they have to make up an interestingly stupid plot to drive the film and include the latest one in that. I fully expect, however, that the new film won't be the last, so they'll do return to the... I fully expect that the new film won't be the last, so if they do return to the well, I think maybe a franchise reboot is in order. Is that only one Jurassic Park? Yeah, I agree. So Jurassic World... Was the reboot really reboot. Yep. new name, new awesome. kind of thing? It, Jurassic World, I quite enjoyed because it. I like the beginning of Jurassic World when the part works. it did that Force Awakens thing where it's basically kind of telling the same story, putting you in that world. It was fun. Yeah, we all know my thoughts on Fallen Kingdom. Um, loved it, didn't you? Um, yeah, like it's <laughs> fucking kicking the balls. Yes, uh, but. Yeah, I agree. It just in general, it's were the sequels worth it? Not all for for storyline wise, no. for trying to keep the um quality of the original up, none of them were none of them were worth it. Even if two does have actually some good moments, like as a whole, it's not worth it. Shite. And last up is Stuart Main, <laughs> and this feedback does contain spoilers to for this film. So if you don't want to know about it, then you can skip ahead past it for a couple of minutes, probably. And he says, was it worth it? So hopefully this gets you to in time. It did. I'd like to discuss Blade Runner 2049. I hate it. Oh, man. Whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> Stuart is well known on the uh, sequelizers Discord for this opinion. It, it's, it, it is, is, it is not shared by many other people there, but... He will stick to his guns. In the world. So he goes on and says, Blade Runner is one of the greatest films ever made. There was no need to carry on the story at all, but boy did they try. The problem is that despite it aping its predecessor, 2049 misses out on one of of all the gravitas. Its visuals are good, but it needed to be more than just good. The music can be described as present, bar one thing I'll get back to. Story is fine, but the second the memory woman gets introduced, it's clear who she's going to be. That was either a twist that was so poorly executed it would have been less obvious if there had been a GOI signpost in it. But <laughs> at an attempt at a double bluff, they didn't pass the first bluff. Ryan Gosling has the charisma matching Deckard from the first, but none of the, for want of a better term, humanity. He's somehow a passenger in his own story. Harrison Ford doesn't even try either, but then again, when does he? For me, the two most egregious mistakes are that it attempts to answer the question of Deckard's humanity and the final scene. Whether Deckard is a replicant or not is one of cinema's greatest questions. Yes, there is an answer, but the ambiguity is one of the great things about the original film. You can watch it with either viewpoint and get distractingly different interpretations of the film. Now, you watch it 
and any nuance of is he, isn't he questions are answered. Now, you watch it knowing and any nuance of is he, isn't he questions are answered, closing off any other interpretation. But for me, the worst part is Gosling's death, not because he shouldn't die, but for having the audacity to have tears in the rain to play. Roy Batty's speech is beautiful and filled with an emotion that is almost palatable. We've seen this character as a villain, but in his final moments, we see him as another life gone and the question of our own mortality. Ryan Gosling lying in the snow has none of this. He starts as stony-faced, emotionless character and ends the same way. There's no moment that at any point endeared us to him in the way Batty has. Anyway, love the show. You're completely wrong. Brilliantly written. Great so points. Actually, real good points Wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong, though. And I'm not going to get into it this week, but feel free to DM me and we can chat for hours because it's, it's just a better film. <sighs> but is that the heaving? Um, <laughs> well done, Stig. Doing it all in one take. My God, I don't know how you manage Someone that. else doing it next week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that you haven't got any of those fuck-ups that you could put in at the end as one long list of an Easter egg. Don't give him more works. I would have liked myself. Fuck up right, you on about. So, you did it in one take. You did it in one take. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for that, Stig. So, as always, links to all our extracurricular activities are in the show notes and at modernescapism.co.uk. And please consider becoming a patron to help support our endeavours. Next week, we have a special guest. From 100 Things We Learned From Film. get You've got it. You've guessed it already. It's the STI of podcasting. It's Planty. He's going to be joining us, and he wants us to create our own multiverse. What is he like? Oh, my. Oh, it's a no. northern takeover again. Another guy Let's I can't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me, Oodles, and Planty. Three northerners in a room. Let's do this. Let's do this. Well, there usually is three Narvanas because Gadget's here, but, but yeah, it's going to be it's gonna Yeah, be but he's got, got the Yorkshire accent. Gadget's more of a southern Scot- Scottish, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> southern Scotland. Do you know what? I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. I think it's going to be proper funny. Uh, what he wants us to do is just take any kind of series, like from a book, cross it over into films, TV shows or comics or games. Basically, just take franchises and characters and worlds and just blend whatever you want together just to create whatever world you want just i think it's going to be really funny because we could just go nuts so (laughs) that's what we want from you from the listeners your ideas and i can't wait to hear what the rest of you are going to do yeah it's going to be fantastic we're going to be a bit of a concept episode we're going to let planty lead the main topic about this multiverse madness but that's it for everyone that's not a patron we will this, is, this has been a podcast, but for the patrons, we'll meet you round back for the green room. But that's it. Good Bye. night. Bye. Bye. Bye, losers. <laughs>
it's it's the writing makes no sense. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Leave this in. This is the Easter egg. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't know what he means by this. I'm just gonna miss that bit out. Okay, that makes no sense. Right. <clears throat> it's like me when I write things and I read it back. It makes no sense. <laughs> Where's Gadget when you need him? 